What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Coming to you from the city of the weird. Exploring topics from the esoteric and unexplored to dimensions unknown. Shining a light of truth on the darkest corners of our reality. Welcome to the Curious Realm. Well, hello everybody and welcome to this very special pre-recorded episode of The Curious Realm. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had the great opportunity to not only be a sponsor of the International Association of Near-Death Studies Conference in Salt Lake City, Utah, we also had an opportunity to go there live and get some fantastic video footage, some great interviews with some amazing near-death experiencers, as well as healers and other people with messages from the other side and people who work with the other side, uh, people who have done research into the other side. Uh, we had the opportunity while we were there to actually shake hands with Robert Bigelow, uh, who was also as the Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies, one of the sponsors of the event. So um, people like that were there. It was fantastic to be able to see uh, Jeffrey Mishlov. Hello out there, my friend. Good to see you. Uh, there on site. He was, of course, the winner of the Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies essay contest for half a million dollars. Um, and wow, what an incredible essay. You can find that in our knowledge vault, actually, folks. Uh, but I don't want to delay too long. I am actually on site in Vegas right now working, doing what I do for a living. But I want you to be able to enjoy this next few hours of content, some great interviews, some amazing individuals who will we, who we will be having back on again and again and again. So we now bring to you our official live coverage of the International Association of Near-Death Studies Conference 2022 from Salt Lake City, Utah, right now. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Curious Realm coverage of the IANS Conference, the International Association of Near-Death Studies. We are here in Salt Lake City, Utah. With us in this segment is Mark Anthony, 
author of Afterlife Frequency and Evidence of Eternity. Um, you are one of the speakers, you're a presenter, you're uh, also an experiencer. Um, let's start there. What was it that brought about your experience in near death well um, i'm also a psychic medium and oh, wow. yeah when i was three and a half years old i started seeing spirits but the thing is chris my parents could see them too because both my mom and my dad had these abilities and it runs for generations in my family but we weren't a woohoo family because my dad was a navy seal who was a nasa engineer and then my mom was a commercial illustrator so i'm about three and a half years old and i'm seeing spirits and i remember mom's like oh he's got it and dad's like oh geez he's got it <laughs> great yeah but but then when i was about four roughly about six seven months after i started seeing spirits dad was on a business trip because we lived in orlando he was working for at the time they called it martin marietta now it's lockheed martin yep. and so he was on a business trip for the space program and this um epidemic of of um impetigo was going through the community and I got it really bad. And so the doctor told our family doctor told my mom, just soak him in a tub of water and, you know, cool down the fever. What he didn't realize is that I had septicemia, which is oh, a blood infection. Yeah. And I went into cardiopulmonary failure. Wow. So, and you were how old? Four. Four. And so that's when I had my NDE. And I chronicle that in detail in the afterlife frequency. It's okay. a pretty intense, uh, intense and story. It, you know, um, we have been having the conversation with numerous people recently about the, the after of the after, whether, whether it be an alien abduction, whether it be a after right. a near death experience, but how it changes your life and how some people even, especially with near-death experiences, um, there seems to be this predication in people's mind that when you come back, there is like a great moment, you know, and that there's a great revelation that's given to you or, you know, some sort of secret <laughs> that you come back with. And like, what about those people that come back with none of that? Right. What about those people that just come back? Now, you were one of those that... Um, had experiences before your near-death experience. Right, before that, yeah. Um, did you find that the near-death ex near experience amplified the regularity of those experiences? Did it amplify your ability that was already there and reticent? It's hard to tell because I was so young. Sure. And But the NDE certainly helped define my life. And what I did learn from that is that messages from spirits, whether it's through a medium or a near-death experience, a deathbed vision, mm. shared death experience, it's like a flower. It blooms, it blossoms, and it unfolds. And it can take hours, days, weeks, even years for the full meaning of a message mm -hmm. to make sense. And that's one of the things that I go into in the afterlife frequency. So for me, it in many ways defined the course of my life. I've never had a serious doubt about the afterlife. But you know, in, in my first book, Never Letting Go, mm. I talked about um, doubt as part of the journey because a lot of people sure. have doubts. And even near-death experiencers, they come out of it and they're convinced that it's real, but then they're surrounded by people who, family and friends, say, oh, that can't be real. Oh, yeah, come on. It's, absolutely. It's, yeah, one of the absolutely. big um, it, uh, detractors is that it's um, – 
DMT, dimethyltryptamine, mm. which is a chemical produced by a decaying uh, pineal gland in your brain. Sure. And what happens, Chris, is people that take DMT, it can be synthesized, and it's sort of like a, a spiritual LSD trip. Yeah, yeah. There's a big. There's a big. Bufo rage going on right now with, you know, toad ceremonies, things yeah, like that, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And, and it, it, it's interesting to get into the topic of DMT and its close association with the near-death experience. Correct. Um, now, you at four years old having that experience, uh, how did that affect you as a four-year-old? It got me wondering what was eternity, Wow. Because that was one wow. of the things that was transmitted at, to me. At four. At four. And I remember um, when I was in the hospital and I they were giving me intravenous IVs and I was coming out of it. And my dad had flown in. He was in Huntsville, uh, the, the space center there. Yep. And he flew in. And when the first thing I said is, what does eternal mean? I remember mom and dad looking at each other because, see, my dad (laughs) had two NDEs prior to my birth. My mom had one when I was a teenager. And uh, dad's first NDE, he was 16 years old. He was in a terrible car accident. And he said he, he saw himself above the accident floating. And he goes, this feels great. I guess I'm dead. And he heard a voice that said, you have to go back. And I remember him telling me about it. He says, Mark, next thing I knew... I'm laying there and people are pounding on my chest. And he said it hurt like hell when he was back in his body. Yeah. So then about 10 years later, my dad, who he it was already out of the Navy, but he was a scuba diver. And he even stove once with the legendary Jacques Cousteau. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and I found this out a few years uh, before he died. I go, you met Jacques Cousteau? He goes, yeah, I dove with him. And uh, I was just really floored. Um, and he was it's about... Ten years before I was born, he was off the coast of New Jersey with his dive team, and they were 125 feet down. They were doing a deep water dive. And in those days, they didn't, I mean, scuba diving is dangerous, even under any circumstances, but his regulator jammed, and, and he started sucking water, and he said that, Mark, that was it. And he said, I started drowning, and he said, then I was in the light. And he heard, he said that voice, the same voice came back. And my dad's name is Earl. And the voice said, Earl, it is not your time. And he said, Mark, to this day, I do not understand why my regulator started working again. He said, back in those days that, you know, yeah. it was pretty primitive stuff. And he said, and, that, and I remember when I was a teenager and I said, I wanted to get certified for scuba. Dad grabbed home and says, under <laughs> no, no, no circumstances. No, I'll buy you a motorcycle tomorrow if you want, <laughs> but you're not getting a scuba tank. Yeah. And then my, <laughs> my, my, my mom, who was a very highly developed medium, and she, um, in fact, her maternal great grandmother, whose name was Giovanni. And I write about Giovanna and Evidence of Eternity. And um, in fact, Giovanna was even, they did a segment about her in a PBS special in 2016 called The Italian Americans because my mom's family came over from Italy. Oh, wow. And Giovanna was known in the little Italy community of New York City and of North Jersey as the woman who knows things. And even officials from the Catholic Church would go and talk to her about spirituality. And she um, 
she was very, very close to my mom because she knew that my mom had, the Italians called it the gift of second sight. Mm. And so when I was a teenager, my mom had, um, she had Crohn's disease and her intestines burst and she died on the operating table. And um, I'll never forget, the surgeon came out and said, we think she's going to die. I don't think we can save her. And I'll never forget, my dad got right in the surgeon's face and he at the Navy SEAL came out yeah. and he said, if she dies, you die. <laughs> and my mom had flatlined wow. for seven minutes. They brought her oh, back. Man. And I remember her telling me about it afterwards. And she said, Mark, I went into the light and there was Giovanna and her father. My, my, she said my father, whom she was very close to, and her Aunt Etta that she um, really loved. And they said, Jeannie... And, and it's funny because Giovanna and my grandfather, they spoke with a heavy Italian accent. They go, yeah. Jeannie, it's the not of your time. <laughs> and and so I grew up in this environment where I had an NDE. Um, both my parents did. And especially my dad, they didn't have a name for it then. Yeah. This was before Dr. Raymond Moody introduced the term. So, you, you know, with your question is, how has this def- um, affected your life? Yeah. It's been part of my life. And it gave... It gave me, uh, certainly with, with my parents' guidance, an understanding that physical death is not the end. And I remember my mom telling me that about three months before she passed, she said, Mark, death isn't sad for the one who died. It's only sad for those left behind. Yeah. Because for those who pass, they have transitioned into the light that we call God. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're on a different plane now. Um, like kind of like your dad described, it didn't hurt until he came back. Back, yeah. <laughs> he said, "Man, coming back." He saw back. the horror of it. He <laughs> saw everything and was at peace with it. Oddly, totally. Um, he said it felt great. He said it was this floating sensation. And I remember in my NDE, and you know, I don't want to give it away too much because no, I, no, I no. read about it in detail. But um, it, you get this from a lot of the NDEers about how there's this feeling of of well in spirit communication when i'm working with spirits and people will ask me the client that i'm doing the reading for mm. may ask well what's it like what, what what is it like there are times where the spirits will let me feel what it is to be them and the best way i can describe it it's like being in that nice warm water where you know it's just the perfect temperature and you're underwater and you're just sort of floating there and you don't mm. feel your body there's no physical pressure or pain but all of a sudden there's this sense of interconnectedness like i'm part of everything everywhere and it's such an overwhelming sensation i can only handle it for maybe four or five seconds and when it when they're done i'm like wiped out and i'm always thankful that when they do this is at the end of the reading because they know it's going to zap me so what i can say in in arcing over to ndes um the reason i wrote the afterlife frequency is traditionally ndes Share death experiences, deathbed visions, visitations by people who aren't mediums and mediumship, all the different forms of spirit communication have been treated as separate phenomenon, but they're not. There is a commonality between Ooh. all of them, and it's based on an understanding of quantum physics. And so 
that's why so many people that come out of an NDE talk about the interconnectedness. Okay. And spirit communication is about interconnectedness and so on and so forth sure. with the different forms of, of spirit, what I call interdimensional communication. Okay. We live in the material world dimension. They are in the afterlife frequency dimension. And when the two dimensions, the frequencies overlap, you have the contact experience. Okay, interesting, because we we speak about frequency regularly on this show, whether it's healing crystals, what what have you. And it, it recently we went to the International Remote Viewing Association Conference, yeah. got to interview Jeffrey Mishlove, all kinds of stuff. Um, and it was phenomenal to me how everybody involved with the founding of that science was a physicist. Yes. Every single person. Um, and it was all about frequency. Right. Everything was about frequency. Now, um, when it comes to you and your spiritual work with people, um, how, how hard is it if somebody is, uh, let's say, unintentionally blocking that sure. frequency for yeah. you? Because I call that the no, no, no syndrome. And let's say I'm doing a reading for somebody and I'm getting an image to go, does that make sense? No, no, no. They start shooting everything down. Mm. And when people get into that mindset, it creates a block. It's better to say, I'm not sure. Let me think about it because things are going to happen afterwards. For example, I was doing a reading for this uh, woman and her mother's spirit came through and began to talk to me about her nephew who's alive and well. And I started feeling pains in my eyes. I said, are there any problems with your nephew's eyesight. She goes, well, he's about seven and he's been complaining about blurred vision lately. Well, your mother wants him to go to the doctor and she's giving me this song, Tutti Fruity, all Rudy. And I'm saying, getting Tutti Fruity, all Rudy by Little Richard. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you know, which is really weird, but I've been doing this long enough to know how weird it is. Just say it. And, and she said, well, I know the song, but, uh, you know, we're not really fans of, I mean, we know who Little Richard was, but it doesn't really mean Ooh. anything to me. So don't worry about it. A month later, I get a call from her, and she said that she she called her sister, and uh, her sister said, yeah, let's make an appointment to, to bring my son to the eye doctor. So she said that my sister, um, my nephew, and I, we, we took him to the eye doctor, and when we walked into the eye doctor's office, on the radio started playing Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy. And wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, how is that possible? It's possible because on the quantum level, this is getting into the quantum physics, Mm -hmm. we go from molecules to atoms to electrons, protons, neutrons to the smallest particle quantum. Quantum physicists have theorized that time does not exist. And spirits being that pure electromagnetic energy, that's where in the afterlife frequency, I developed and introduced the term the electromagnetic soul to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And that's why spirits can foresee or perceive what you and I call the future. Now, because even a skeptic, what are the odds of you're going to make an appointment at an eye doctor and you walk in and out of all the songs in the world, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That is the song that would be playing on on the music service that they have. Um, that's a billion to one shot. Like you may as well go out and buy a lottery ticket. Exactly. Um, That's pretty incredible. Now, uh, with the, with the concept of the electromagnetic soul here with, um, 
One thing that I have had, I guess, kind of issue with with some of the paranormal community, especially with the rage of shows that goes on now, um, when it comes to spirits, spirit contact, things like that. Right. Um, I'm a big believer in EVP. Right. Tra- traditional electronic voice phenomenon. The, the fact that, yes, the spirit is an electromagnetic entity that is able to manipulate the weak magnetic field of that record head going on to tape. Um, whether or not a spirit can manipulate the ones and zeros of a digital recorder, um, that I don't know. Um, I'll give you an example. Okay, please, because that, that, that has been a, a big point of reticence for me. As far as modern uh, right. paranormal research, that, that's that been a big hang-up for me as both an audio engineer oh, sure. <laughs> and someone well, who's followed this research for years. And, and, and for the benefit of the listeners, the stories that I've just given are not in my books awesome. uh, on purpose. Good. And, and this one's not there either on purpose. Best friend I ever had, Billy. And Billy, I mentioned in, two, in Evidence of Eternity and the Afterlife Frequency, um, we... Uh, uh, met in junior high school, went to junior high, high school, college together. And after, after, uh, college, I went to law school and he went to live in Asia and he learned, he, he had a gift for languages, spoke Japanese, mm. Thai, Indonesian, some Cantonese. I mean, wow. he could just learn a language. And even though we had both been raised in the Catholic church, um, he was an atheist. And so for the entire course of our lives, starting in high school, we had this ongoing debate of the existence of an afterlife. Now, obviously, I was advocating for the other side. Sure, sure. <laughs> and he was like, there's nothing. And I remember when we were in Southeast Asia, we um, I took some time off and uh, we we hiked through uh, Japan and then Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Great, great trip. And he said, I don't know how you do the psychic thing. You get me thinking, but there's no science, no technology to prove this. Well, a couple years later, I actually performed his wedding ceremony, met this beautiful woman from Japan. Best day of my life, or one of them. Everyone I cared about was there. My best friend, his wife, our, his parents, my parents, all of our friends from college, everybody I loved was there. And there I was making, you know, being part of this, making it happen. And then three years later, he died from suicide. Mm. So I'm devastated, obviously. Yeah. And about a year after that, my first book, Never Letting Go, had come out. So I'm speaking at a paranormal convention at Estes Park in Colorado. My manager, Rocky, was with me. And I had just finished speaking, and I'm, you know, in a conference room, and I'm signing books. Well, Rocky's walking around looking at all the K2 meters, the EVP, and yeah, she yeah. walked by the spirit box. Okay? Yeah. And yeah. she's walking by it, and all of a sudden, she hears... Get Mark. She stops and looks at it. And the guy that was selling his name was Chris. He goes, did you, did you just hear that? And it repeated, get Mark. And he goes, do you think he means your Mark, Mark Anthony? And so I'm hearing, Mark, Mark, get over here. And I look up and they're like waving me and I'm, and people are crowding around. So I run over there. And as I'm coming up, I almost stop. I mean, I did stop in my tracks because this voice came out that said, dude, and we and and it was Billy's voice, and wow. we lived in the we lived East Coast Central Florida. We were in the surfing community. He always called me dude, and then I heard "love you, bro," and that's the last thing he ever 
did say to me in this world, and Rocky is, tears are streaming down her eyes because she wow. knew him, and she goes, oh, my God, that's psycho Billy's wow. voice. And the investigator is like, okay. this is highly unusual. And then it dawned on me. The atheist, the skeptic, <laughs> in spirit, chose technology yeah, yeah. to communicate with me, and we both positively identified his voice, and he spoke, dude, love you, bro. I remember him hugging wow. me before he was off to China, and he goes, love you, bro. Last thing he ever said to me in this world, and... One of the things he said in that. So spirits okay. being pure EM, electromagnetic energy, radio waves or electromagnetic energy, sure. x-rays, ultraviolet, infrared. There's a broad spectrum and they're part of this quantum field. And your question, can they manipulate these fields? You bet. Okay. Because um, that, that once again, the, the ones and zeros part of a digital recorder has been my hang up. And, and yes, absolutely with spirit boxes where it's literally randomly going through radio frequency, right. um, which was a lot of the original EVP work where it was um, tuning in for radio frequencies, tuning into white noise, static, yeah. things like that, and hitting record and letting it run for eight, nine hours. Um with with that being said, uh, what advice do you give the average person who may not be the, the spiritual adept or a medium adept that you are as far as um, paranormal investigation, going out and mixing themselves in that kind of environment where, yeah, things can attach to you, stuff like that? Yeah, I see, I don't subscribe to the things. Okay. I, I subscribe to you're in charge. Okay, you determine the parameter of the spirit contact. It's like inexperienced okay. mediums. Oh, they're coming to me all the time. Well, do you leave the doors and windows of your house open 24-7? You should not do that. And if you feel sure. an entity, you are in control. You tell them to back off. And, you know, envision the white light, you know, white light of God, Krishna, Christ, however you want to perceive God, enveloping you and, and you know, protecting you. But what people need to understand is that if you're going to engage in paranormal investigation, do it with a credible group. Uh, too many of them, see, if it's really an investigation, the scientific method has to be applied, yes. which is objective analysis, gather the data, don't jump to conclusions, get the data, then review it. Yeah. Like Rocky don't, an, I, don't analyze footage on site, things right. like that. Now, when, when we're healing hearing Billy's voice come sure. out. All right, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you're sitting there like you just, and I love the way you put it, you're scanning all the different frequencies and you're yeah. hearing all this. Like Rocky and I were at uh, one investigation and we heard something come out of this and the ghost hunter, okay, not paranormal investigator, the ghost, the ghost hunter, hunter. Yeah. it said demon. Rocky and I heard Steven. Yeah. I said, well, you're jumping to the conclusion. It said Demon. No, 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 said demon, said demon. I said, no, we heard Stephen. So why always leap into the arms of devils, demons, yeah. and quite frankly, all these non-existent entities? Sure. Let's examine what it is. It it sounded like Stephen. That's what it was. It was somebody sure. give us the name Stephen. But in the, in the um, afterlife frequency, there are non-human spiritual intelligence. Mm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're evil or negative. They're just no. not, you know, with dogs, cats. I mean, and, and anything that's alive has an electromagnetic soul. Absolutely. And they're going to be there. And you pick up on it. It doesn't mean it's evil. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and that is a really great way to put that. We we tend to, um, I guess, anthropomorphize is the it, the first thing that pops into my head from my old sociology professor who always told me I was doing that. Um, <laughs> you need to stop assuming what the gorilla is thinking while he's doing that, right? And you need to just record what the gorilla is doing, right? Yeah, it's like, all right, who doesn't love Shark Week? Okay, yeah, all right, Shark Week. Come on. Great entertainment. Sharks are evil, are yeah. they? Not really. They they're, just yeah, they're, do what they're, sharks do, man. I mean, you know, and, and there is there is a shark story in the afterlife frequency. Yeah. I will tell you that. I love it. And, and let me tell you, when you're, you know, looking at one right at you underwater, it does feel pretty evil and scary. But yeah. objectively speaking... Sharks are essential to the health of the ocean. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they are I'm, apex predators for a reason. I am a snake lover, so okay. it's, it's one of those like I'm sorry if we don't have rattlesnakes, you will have an abundance of rats. Well, we, everywhere. Yes, and we have positive proof because uh, recently gray wolves were yep. reintroduced. I think it was into Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and. The biologists started realizing there was this area that all of a sudden vegetation started regrowing. And in the vegetation, now rabbits were living there and, and other animals and birds. And what had happened before the reintroduction of gray wolves is that the elk had eaten all the vegetation. Yeah. And so because nature was out of balance, then the elk were like what humans are doing the with this planet, deforesting it. Yeah, they were destroying habitat for yeah. other creatures. So, so sharks are not evil. Wolves are not evil. They're doing what they do. Exactly. And it's important for us to respect those boundaries and not, you know, I keep hearing we're having a problem with bears. Yeah. Are we having a problem with bears or have we destroyed their habitat to the point that they have nowhere else to go? Yeah. And, and this is something that humans have to, to, to look at and balance. Now, taking this into the spiritual realm, it's something St. Francis of Assisi, one of uh, the people Mm. that I always uh, admire, fascinating, fascinating man. And he said that the way we treat animals is indicative of how we will treat our fellow humans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because however you treat the least of us. Yes. And, and, you know, that is, that is a really great example to bring up because, um, the tie between human and animal, uh, is pretty interesting. And even the, the tie between animals and near death experiences, uh, afterlife experiences, it's, it's pretty vast. Um, even their possible detection of people who are getting ready to pass on. Yes. Um, there, I know that hospice centers, things like that have started using cats, yes. dogs, things like that, not only for therapy, but because they tend to know, like they'll go and sit outside the door of the person who's getting ready to pass. Yes. Things like that. They so. sense this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Animals, animals, you know, it's nice we're not hearing the, remember the term dumb animals? Yeah, yeah. You don't hear that anymore. It's a different form of intelligence. They perceive things in a way that we, we don't. Um, and animals, uh, definitely can, like, I had a friend who, her cat kept hissing at her, like, especially when she got near her, her lower intestinal area and, and, and she'd come up and keep hissing. And my friend discovered she had cancer in that area. So her wow. cat was smelling or 
didn't like what was going on. Right. And there have been studies where with dolphins and, and dolphins are amazing creatures, but I, I, I can't stand like I hate seeing birds in cages. I don't like seeing yeah. dolphins in, in aquariums because, you know, they with their sonar, they need to have a, you know, a couple miles distance. But in in places where they've put they meaning uh biologists have been swimming with dolphins and there were people that had diseases like cancer the dolphin will come up and take its snout and touch the diseased area so what are they doing they're probably because of their sonar it's an electromagnetic echo that they're picking up on it's dogs can smell cancer yep. so so we can learn a lot we can learn a lot from animals yeah it, it really does take the the open mind and the open heart to be able to uh, look at really all of this even the concept of uh, near-death studies and the whole concept behind this conference in and of itself um it, it's not it, it's not a comfortable topic to talk about a lot of people are not comfortable talking about death. Um, and I guess it's it's part of that physical condition that we have as humans. Um, do you find from your work in the spiritual realm that it's easier for you to talk to people who are, I guess, near-death experiencers or someone who has had that journey? Yes. Yes. In, in fact, um, recently I had a very dear friend who was dying of ovarian cancer and she lived in the state of California where they have this option. Basically, it's a, it's assisted suicide. Mm. And she set up a Zoom conference with me, her sons and her husband to discuss transitioning to the other side, uh, spirit communication. And during the talk on the Zoom conference, I even connected with her mother and gave messages to uh, her sons. And after that, she said, this made it much easier. My sons are more accepting. And then she passed um, actually just last weekend, uh, you know, from the time that we're doing this. And I miss my friend, but... I've, I've already felt her, her presence around me. And the reason I'm saying this is that in the West, in the United States, and to some extent in Europe, there is this, we pretend that we're not going to die. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to happen to other people. Also, we sit here and question the existence of an afterlife. We question the existence of God, whereas in Hindu and Buddhist cultures, what we consider to be a psychic experience is part of their spiritual journey. Absolutely. And Hindus believe that you don't question God, you try to see God. Yeah. You have that experience and that death is part of the eternal cycle of birth, death, rebirth, and and so on. And I think that one of the most important elements of the International Association for Near-Death Studies is bringing to the forefront that we do physically die, but we never die. As my friend and colleague Rhonda Schwartz, a very well-respected medium, she said that we have one life and it's eternal. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great point to go out on. Before we let you go, Mark, um, number one, thank you for your time. I know that you are extraordinarily busy at this conference being um, presenter, panelist, author, all kinds of stuff. 
Um, tell everybody where they can go to find their copy of Afterlife Frequency, where they can go to schedule appointments with you, or they can go to uh, contact you if need be. Certainly. Um, my website's the same as my book, afterlifefrequency.com. I invite everyone to sign up for my newsletter. Uh, it'll keep you up to date on upcoming events that I have. Also, you can order my books through the website. They're available worldwide at all fine bookstores, Amazon and print, Kindle, uh, ebook and odd, um, audio and uh, also you can check out my show the psychic and the doc every thursday yeah i do a live stream show on the transformation network we take calls from listeners great yeah my co-host is dr pat basili she's the founder of the transformation network she um, has had the dr pat show which she still does and she started this transformation network and we're doing these live stream tv shows in fact we've had dr john alexander pmh atwater nancy evans bush evan alexander Alexander. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, we've had um, just um, Diane Corcoran. We've just had some absolutely amazing Jim Bruton. Just the NDEers we've had alone. Plus, we've had UFO experts and Incredible. and uh, people that uh, uh, talk about past lives. Also, um, on call-in shows, Dr. Pat and I, people call in. I can do readings for them. And then you get her intuitive psychological insights and um you can find out about all of this at my website afterlifefrequency.com all right well thank you so much for your time during this incredible ians conference uh while you're online checking out all of the amazing work of mark anthony make sure to stop on by curious realm curiousrealm.com is the website that is where you can find all of the episodes that's where you can find these interviews you will also be able to find mark's books in the store here soon um Stay tuned for more coverage from the International Association of Near-Death Studies Conference right here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We'll be back right after this, folks. With the rise in attention to the health benefits of cannabis and cannabinoids, including CBD, True Hemp Science has become one of the premier providers of full-spectrum CBD and CBD-related products. Using a proprietary spagyric process, True Hemp Science extracts maximum benefit from the whole hemp plant. Buds, leaves, stems, seeds, even roots... Every part of the plant is used and then reused to formulate a rich, complex profile of CBD, CBD derivatives, and terpenes guaranteed to provide the relief and benefits you need daily. Visit TrueHemScience.com to experience the best CBD oils, edibles, and topicals on the market today. And use code CURIOUS7 to save 7% off your entire purchase of $50 or more and get two 25-milligram CBD cookies or brownies free. That website, again, is TrueHemScience.com, and the code is Curious7.
Curious Realm Podcast is your source for the latest and greatest news and events in the world of the paranormal, esoteric, and forbidden knowledge. And there's no better way to spark the conversation than with items from the Curious Realm store. Choose from fan favorites like hoodies, mouse pads, coffee mugs, and more. Buy books and items from your favorite Curious Realm guests. Get your hands on the latest gear for paranormal investigations and experiments we discuss on the show. Open your web browser and stop on by the Curious Realm store at CuriousRealm.com forward slash store to buy the latest Curious Realm wear and out-of-this-world gifts for yourself, your family, or a mind that you want to open. That website again is CuriousRealm.com forward slash store. Have you considered starting a podcast? Looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. Specializing in one-on-one consultation and training with industry professionals in fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies, Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? Sign up for your Podcast Cadet audit today. And let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. From consultational workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages, Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit PodcastCadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training. And use code CURIOUS20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website again is podcastcadet.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our continuing coverage of the IANS Conference, International Association of Near-Death Studies here in Salt Lake City. Uh, We have with us Sarah Hines. Tell us a little bit about your books, The Announcing the Dreams and uh, The Announcing Dream and Memories of Heaven. Yes, I've written about 10 books. It's hard to remember when you're a writer. <laughs> Just teasing. But I brought these two. The Announcing Dream is a cultural phenomenon where parents can have dreams and visions of their children mm. before they're born or conceived. Uh, for example, it's quite prevalent in Africa. Um, in the book Roots, there's a part where the grandmother has died, yep. and the little boy and his grandfather are there, and in the little boy is grieving, and he says to his grandfather, um, I'm going to miss my grandma, Yaisa, and grandfather says, well, uh, there's three groups of people walking around in every village. First are those working and, and cooking and doing all those other things. The second group are those who have passed away. They come and visit us in the village. And the third group of people in every village 
are those waiting to be born. Interesting. So my studies is concerning those who are waiting to be born. Wow. Interesting. Now, I myself have a child that um, I, I am convinced is his namesake. He is, he is never, my grandfather died when I was in seventh grade. My son has no memory of him whatsoever. Um, regularly talks about his daughters. Wow. Um, when I was a dad, this is, this is what I used to do with my daughters. Yeah. Things like that. Um, is, is regularly having these conversations. Um, apparently, much like my grandfather, loves the accordion. Loves, loves, loves the accordion. Yes. Listening to it, playing it, doesn't matter. Um, so it, it's interesting to me that um, you speak of this cultural history of uh, because in especially in uh, old Judaism, there is a big concept of reincarnation within families. That's where uh-huh. that's kind of where the whole concept of um, familial guilt things like that and mm-hmm. sins of the fathers comes along line right. is the fact of like hey be be careful because you may be like resurrected into somebody later and now they have to pay for what you did yeah um is that also a teaching that is carried on in the african cultures as well or well it's more of the term of called pre-existence. Okay. That word is also in the ancient Jewish texts. Mm. Uh, the, the word pre-existence, meaning our life before we exist on earth. And, and that the study of pre-existence has been my study. And our film, Remembering Heaven, mm. uh, gives you the background culturally and in so many ways of the teaching of pre-existence. And then we have all the stories of the children coming to Earth in the film as well, the personal stories. But um, it's an ancient teaching, um, but it hasn't received a lot of attention. Yeah. So it's, uh, but there's, you know, there's so much we don't know. (laughs) I I think some of that actively comes from probably the fact that it gets mixed in with uh, reincarnation, which, you know, not everybody's about. You go uh-huh. to the eastern side of the world. Right. Um, all about it. Exactly. Regular teaching, yeah. something that they talk about yeah. in in everyday life. Um, however, you come over here to the western world, and that is not the case for us. When it ends, it's over. And I guess there's a better percentage of people that, not, that believe that there is something else. Um, yes. What that is, we have still collectively yet to decide. Exactly. Um, it is quite a mystery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's phenomenal, especially this work in almost precognition, um, which, of course, I mean, we, we went to the International Remote Viewing Association a few months ago and talked to quite a few people about the concept of precognition and the idea of uh, time being literally relative, uh, relative to the fact that we defined it. The universe didn't. Uh, there's a reason why most of those folks in the world of remote viewing are PhD-holding people. Um, and it, it surprises me how many people in this field are the same way. Letter-holding, doctors, yeah. things like that. Um, what was it that first brought you down this road of study? Because... It, um, Precognitive childbirth, things like that, are, are not the typical, uh, let's just say, jaunt 
that even a sociologist would take. It, it is a unique turn, and um, I'm, I'm raised in the South, uh, you know, a simple family. No one was scholars, and uh, but I moved to, to the West and met my husband, and uh, I wanted a big family, and my husband's like, whatever you want, honey, and so, <laughs> bless his heart, so we have nine children. Wow. And with those children coming, I would have dreams or visions or fill their presence with me mm. and, and have variety of experiences with all of my children. So I knew the soul was announcing to me they were ready to be born. And, and I blessedly was chosen to be their mother and my husband as their father. And I would have dreams of them, uh, even in the film, Remembering Heaven. Our daughter, Laura, when she was a, a young girl, maybe around eight or nine, had a vision in our home of her brother that I was expecting. Oh, wow. He was standing behind my husband one evening when we had uh, our family prayer. And she saw her brother, Matthew, before he was born. Interesting. So... Um, because I had those kinds of experiences, I, I, it was very, um, I mean, it was very um, imaginative that these things would happen to me. It was very surreal. But I thought, are other mothers and fathers having these experiences? And so I felt God call me almost as a calling to start to collect these kinds of experiences. And the first time I spoke at the IONS 25 years ago, oh wow, uh, Diane Corcoran, who's a beloved uh, alumni of the IONS, actually helped, f- helped form the International Association of Near-Death Studies. She came up to me and she's like, I love your study. It's so true. We do come from God. Because many who have a near-death experience see their children in the near-death experience who have not yet been born or conceived. Interesting. So that's kind of how I fit into the IONS. And then my husband and I coined the term pre-birth experience because it needed a name. Yeah. And others now are studying it in different ways. And, of course, I'm thrilled. That others are studying it, adding their data uh, to the uh, to the studies. Now, do do you think um, that perhaps this phenomena, uh, which of course until proof proof is there, it's what it is a phenomenon. Do you a, do you think that this phenomenon is perhaps associated with uh, the the concept of manifestation? Have you seen this phenomena spike over the last many years since? Since, well, let's say, the book The Secret came out and the concept <laughs> of, you know, it, the world is just frequency and vibration and yeah. it, the law of attraction it's takes very over possible. at that point. Uh, there's a lot that's unknown. I have a lot sure. of questions, even myself. But, for example, I saw my, I, I, I got pregnant with my fifth child. I, I saw her in dreams, uh, very manifesting to me, uh, her brown hair and her brown eyes and her face and and then I had a miscarriage and I lost her and I was devastated I sobbed and sobbed for months and then she came back to me and she said mother I'm coming I'm coming back and I conceived again and she was born that's our Sarah Rebecca 
Wow. So that to me was it, did I manifest it? I think more so that somehow her spirit contacted me Mm. and announced that she was coming. She announced it herself, but she has some health problems. And we've talked about it, uh, of course. Uh, I I asked her permission to put her story Mm. in the announcing dream many years ago, and she said, of course. But she says, I think I was reluctant to come to Earth knowing that I would have a lot of pain and this health problem. Uh, but she's like, and I said, Becky, I, Sarah, I prayed you here. I prayed you here and I wanted you so bad. And she's like, well, I'm glad I'm here and I'm happy to be here, but I'll be happy to go back to heaven when it's my time too. Wow. That's the kind of soul and, she is. And how old is she now? She's 42. Oh, wow. She's 42. And uh, now, uh, you mentioned before evening prayer with your family, things like that. Are, do you come from a religious background? Uh, uh, I come from a, a mother of great faith. Okay. Not so much religious. Sure. In the dogma sort of way. Yeah. But uh, a fa- oh, I was taught faith in God as a child. I was taught your prayers are heard and will be answered. Yeah. And so for my daughter to have this experience and we talk about it in the film, was a beautiful thing. She mm. told me about it right away, and I knew it was true. I believed her because I've, I've been a woman who tends to have either visits from those waiting to be born or from those who have passed away. So I know that the veil can be thin, and, yeah. and I've accepted that that's just the reality of the time we're living in for many, many people now. Oh, absolutely. And especially with our work with MUFON that we've done with this show, um, interviewing quite a few people like Seb Tak, um, other folks that are in the field researchers and on the experiencer response team. It's, it seems over the last decade there has been a large uptick in people who have had abduction experience uh, that either borders on out-of-body experience, mm-hmm. um, other frequency experience, where they have shifted into another frequency of existence. Yeah. And even those that have come back with healing qualities. Yeah. Um, and just earlier today, I heard a side discussion over on the other side of the room um, about the same topic, about numerous people who come back from NDE experience. Yes. And are changed in that healing way. Yes. Um, have you noticed anything like that with these mothers that have these dreams? That's a good point. I, I've noticed that these experiences with their children uh, manifesting themselves, I mm. believe, to them. It's happen, it happens to women who are spiritual, women who are not spiritual, women who pray, women who don't pray. Mm. It's like they happen... Uh, they happen naturally. They're not and spontaneously. So I've had stories from people of variety of backgrounds, religions, cultures, even not religious at all. So I haven't noticed so, that. So it's not predicated on faith or anything like that. It's not predicated on faith, but it seems to elevate the faith of those who have the experience. I, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that because I. 
especially with someone in your situation. Um, God bless you for that, for having the visitation of your child and then losing that child. Yeah. Um, I, I myself and my family have had miscarriages and things like that, and it's it's very hard to deal with to begin with. Yeah. Much less if you have had that spiritual visitation from yeah. your child, then yeah. you are used to seeing them in your dream. You're used to visiting with them in your dream. Now, was this a, a situation that happened with you with all nine of your pregnancies? Were, were you precognitive for all of them or just some of them? Each, some of them were dreams. Uh, and and some of them are in my book, The Announcing Dream, too. I I wrote about them. I I was I felt that God wanted me to to share it. I'm not one that needs to share it everywhere, but <clears throat> I did share some of it in my book. Others experiences I haven't shared in public that I've had sure. with my children. Some of them are very complex. Uh, children being assigned one place, they couldn't go. They couldn't come to that family for various reasons so they have a plan b and i've been a plan b for a few souls that have come into our home they've come come through my body um and i think i was just open and willing to invite children into our home because that's always been my heart's desire was to have a big family. I was blessed, but as a as a young teenager, I had so many health issues. Doctors told me I would never have children. Wow! But I've had nine children, wow. all all healthy. So with, with only one complication amongst the way. With, with only, I had the one miscarriage with fifth, and then I had. Two miscarriages at the oh. end of the nine, but but those two children, uh, we named them. Uh, one of them, the the first was Daniel, and Daniel came to me in a dream after I miscarried him, and he said, "Mother, it was my purpose to never stay with you very long. Mm. Had I been born." I would have died young, and that would have broken your heart. Yeah. So I got permission to leave early. But I am the guardian, one of the guardian angels of our family. And some of our children, in times of real stress, have felt Daniel with them. And with my natural eyes, and I don't normally see with my natural eyes the other side, but twice with my natural eyes, I have seen our son Daniel. Wow. wow. Our miscarried son. Wow. And, and he was a bright spirit essence. With I, I could see his you know face, and he was a young man. But the beauty of seeing a soul who has not been born, they have no cares of the world on their face. See, he didn't have to experience mortality. Yeah. So his face or was be burdened by it, burdened or, by all yeah. the all the cares of the body or all the trials or tribulations, and he particularly loves my husband. He loves my husband so much, and um, and he both times he's appeared to me, he's been standing next to my husband, just kind of watching over him. So it's interesting these. And just just a few months ago, I had a dream of Daniel, too, a very special dream. So he's there on the other side, um, acting as our guardian angel. Um, I still grieved for him after I lost him. 
But now I, I just have such a deep faith that I will see him again when I cross over. He will be a, a wonderful young man yeah. that will be part of our family. That's beautiful. And it, now, for for you as an experiencer, how do these, like you said earlier, they typically these visions manifest to you in dream. Um, do they come to you at any particular time? Is it something that you will you will dream about somebody, or they will pop up when something is going on, or uh, how does that normally work for you? For the children, for our nine children, they were all quite unique experiences. Um, one of them with our son Matthew, um, our little Sarah Rebecca, she was. She would wake up when she was like eight months old and she would coo and sing in her little nursery. And as I would open the door and go in to get her, I felt like there were angels there because it was like she was talking mm. in some a- ancient heavenly language. She was talking to angels. And one day when I walked in, I heard a voice in my, in my heart, but it was... It was still a very clear message, and the voice said, Tell mother I need to come now. And she was looking up in the sky over her little, up above, you know, laying in her little baby bed. I knew in my heart that it was, that it was my next child. And then later he appeared to me, uh, our next child, uh, Matthew, was what he wanted to be called. Mm-hmm. So each story is just seems to be quite unique, but with the souls who have departed, uh, they often come to me at night when I'm sleeping and give me a message to ancestors usually, okay. friends or loved ones who've passed away. Now, was this something that happened to you throughout your life, or did it, did it start manifesting for you when the, when the pregnancy dreams started? It really started, started to manifest when, the, when I started to have my children. But I, as a child, I had an illness, which I call homesick for heaven. Mm. As a child, I had a lot of depression. It's like I felt like God had dropped me off at a at a bus stop and forgot to pick me up. Yeah, I felt almost abandoned, even though I had a a good family. You know, not perfect because yeah. none of us come from a perfect family. But um, so I always had a hunger to know God. But then when I got married, started having these dreams of my children, uh, that's when my spiritual gifts started to grow. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And how has that been? I mean, obviously, it's been at least a 40-year journey from the age of one child. But yeah. um, how have you utilized that for helping others? Aside from writing books, do you... Uh, do work with other people? Do you work with pregnant and expecting mothers? Or I am open. I do a lot of counseling on the phone mm-hmm. to mothers who are grieving, who've had miscarriages, who cannot conceive. Often uh, adopted children, as you will see in their film Remembering Heaven, are really sent to the mother of their choice, even though another woman brings their body to the earth. They still find the mother that is, you know, their mother. So I I counsel and I I listen and I counsel and I work with a lot of women um, on the phone who've had 
losses in pregnancy and that sort of thing. So it's been a very rewarding. I'm kind of an intuitive mentor um, because people, sometimes my my intuition or my gifts kind of come into play to help those I'm counseling as well to perhaps make suggestions to them that might be helpful. So I try to use the gifts I have, not only in the books, but now we have the film, Remembering Heaven, which we have DVDs now. We're so excited. And my website is sarahhines.com. Okay. And you can just email me at sarah at sarahhines.com and order a DVD. They're $20.00. That includes shipping anywhere in the oh, United wow. States. Wow. Uh, so we have them for 15 if people want to pick them up at the IONS conference. But I just want them, I, I want people to get the film, to see the film, and to, I think they will love the, the scholarship and the research and the, the stories, the experiences from so many experiencers. That Absolutely. We have the three, we have the research. Um, the case studies and the data, and then we have the experiencers. So we kind of have have it all, you know, the whole package there. Wow! For you to put together, that is awesome. And now, uh, before we let you go, of course, once again, let everybody know where they can go to buy the books, where they can go to get the film, uh, where they can go to register for classes with you, or to come and get help. Thank you. Well, if you'll go, if you'll email me at sarah at sarahhines.com or go to my website, sarahhines.com, all of my books are on Amazon. You can link to them on my website. Just go to Amazon, Sarah Hines. All my books are there. Uh, we're publishing three new books very soon. I do need new stories. <laughs> if anyone has a pre-birth experience. Absolutely. Um, and I keep my books priced low. Uh, because this is a mission, yeah. Um, and I just want people to read the books, to share the books. They're all on Kindle as well, so check them out and and send me an email if you you want to share anything. I'd love to hear from people. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time during this very busy uh, International Association of Near Death Studies conference here in Salt Lake City. While you were online checking out everything at sarahhines.com, make sure to stop on by Curious Realm. CuriousRealm.com is where you can find this interview, all of our interviews from live events like IANS, uh, Irva, MUFON, everything else. Uh, you can also find our bookstore there where we will be adding your books as well as all of the guest books uh, that are here on the table from folks that we've interviewed and will be interviewing Stay tuned after this message, folks, for more coverage from the International Association of Near-Death Studies Conference 2022 here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We'll be right back after this.
the rising attention to the health benefits of cannabis and cannabinoids, including CBD. True Hemp Science has become one of the premier providers of full-spectrum CBD and CBD-related products. Using a proprietary spigeric process, True Hemp Science extracts maximum benefit from the whole hemp plant. Buds, leaves, stems, seeds, even roots. Every part of the plant is used and then reused to formulate a rich, complex profile of CBD, CBD derivatives, and terpenes guaranteed to provide the relief and benefits you need daily. Visit TrueHempScience.com to experience the best CBD oils, edibles, and topicals on the market today. And use code CURIOUS7 to save 7% off your entire purchase of $50 or more and get two 25-milligram CBD cookies or brownies free. That website again is TrueHempScience.com and the code is CURIOUS7. Curious Realm Podcast is your source for the latest and greatest news and events in the world of the paranormal, esoteric, and forbidden knowledge. And there's no better way to spark the conversation than with items from the Curious Realm store. Choose from fan favorites like hoodies, mouse pads, coffee mugs, and more. Buy books and items from your favorite Curious Realm guests. Get your hands on the latest gear for paranormal investigations and experiments we discuss on the show. Open your web browser and stop on by the Curious Realm store at CuriousRealm.com forward slash store to buy the latest Curious Realm wear and out-of-this-world gifts for yourself, your family, or a mind that you want to open. That website again is CuriousRealm.com forward slash store. Have you considered starting a podcast, looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. Specializing in one-on-one consultation and training with industry professionals in fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies, Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? Sign up for your Podcast Cadet audit today. And let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. 
from consultational workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages. Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit podcastcadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training and use code CURIOUS20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website again is podcastcadet.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our continuing coverage of the International Association of Near-Death Studies Conference 2022 here in Salt Lake City. We have with us Joanna J. Lund. She is the writer and director of the Death and Dreaming uh, DVD, as well as a, a series of movies about death. That's right. In the Realm of Death and Dreaming is the first of a trilogy of films from the When You Die Project that asks the question, does consciousness continue after death? Well, and that is that is really the big, uh, much like UFOs in the media was the concept behind this year's MUFON conference. That is really the idea behind this year's IANS conference. Uh, we had the big Bigelow Institute uh, come in earlier today and give out their grant proposal uh, presentation about if if you are out there and researching this, uh, they are actively giving grants to people to prove the existence of intelligence and consciousness after death. Definitely a bold thing, and I, I yeah. have to say this: the the When You Die project really started eight years ago and counting. And as a filmmaker, I thought, well. This will be, you know, two and a half years down and dirty, make one film. And it was a film I wanted to make for a lot of personal reasons. Mm. But then as I started doing the research, it was like, oh, there is so much more to this question. And that's how it became a trilogy. And there's a epilogue in the wings wow. and a rich website and a podcast and all, all kinds of resources because it is so much more than we think. We think, yeah. well, you know, I'm like I am right now, and then you die. You know, or maybe you've had some kind of transcendent experiences or glimpses, or maybe even a near-death experience, and you go, oh, that's a little bit more. But what I really appreciated about the Bigelow competition was that eight years ago, I would have loved all those papers to read. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't so easy to find all this material. Well, and let's get into that real quick. Number one, what was it that you said it was a personal reason, if you're willing to share? What was it that brought you to want to make this course of movie to begin with? Because it's, yeah. um, it, it's one thing to already be involved in paranormal or something like that, have a pinch chomp for it, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't necessarily the case with you. You, I mean... Well, not particularly. I mean, I... Yeah. I I guess I should say that as as a human being, I've always been interested in all of that kind of stuff, all sure. the paranormal stuff, all the, you know, as a young girl at slumber parties, you know, we yeah. had Ouija boards sure. and all that stuff. As, as a filmmaker. But as, as a filmmaker, <laughs> I mean, and as a, my motivation for this, it really was that at a young age, there were a number of significant deaths in my life in less than three years. Yeah. So I lost my mother, my best friend who was like, Oh, my wow. sister. And then I was in a car accident and uh, held an old dairy farmer in my arms while he died. And I was so, I thrust into this deep, deep grief journey. And at that time, no one talked about death. 
You know, it wasn't in polite society. You know, yeah. we since World War II, we did everything possible to push death out of our homes. Even, Literally right? out like, of our homes. Yeah, I mean, the, the parlor became the living room. Yep. And then you put the dead bodies in a funeral parlor, right? Yeah. All of all of that, the language and everything changed so that birth and death just didn't happen at home anymore. Mm. So those two great portals of a human life, you yeah. know, where all kinds of interesting things that can challenge what it means to be human happen, were no longer happening at home or talked about or related to. So, you know, when all these deaths happened to me, you know, it was like people just didn't want me around. They had no idea how to talk to me. Sure. You know, I had the plague. You you, you were the elephant in the room. I absolutely um, was. And, and a lot of this show, uh, even whenever I was talking to you earlier, the, the whole concept behind this show originally was conversations that people don't like having. Yeah. Um, because that, I think that is really a big part of our society and a big part of where our society has kind of split and gone awry. Because at one point we had this really beautiful concept. Let's just take death, for instance. We, we had a beautiful familial concept of death. Mm. Uh, when you go back to pre-1920s America, mm -hmm. um, really before refrigeration. Um, exactly. Um, which, which I think is a, there was a great PBS special that was put out a few years ago about home death. Mm. And about the whole concept behind home burial and the rebirth of the home burial movement. That's right. And and about how integral the concept of grieving and mourning was to those who were left behind. Yeah. Um, and how having that person, I, I myself come from a Cajun upbringing where when I was a kid, we still had a traditional wake. We went and we stayed at the funeral home with the body. Like, me and my cousins joke about playing tag in the funeral home and getting in trouble for playing tag on our overnight stays. <laughs> you know, like, don't hide near the bodies. Um, things like that. I mean, horrifying situations. But at the same time, something that in that horrible moment as a family that to this day we laugh about. Right. That's to right. To this day, it's That's an endearing right. memory to us about the loss of a loved one. Um, and, and I think that that is what we have turned this concept of death and moving on into the next state into such a sterile and medical um, association. That's right. That's right. And, and so the birth of the When You Die project mm. was because I wanted to normalize that conversation yeah. and bring death back into life because the story you just told of playing mischief in the yeah. funeral home and all that, yeah. that's life, yes. right? Birth, death, life, all there at once. You know, we lose someone, it's sad and we grieve, but it doesn't mean that there aren't moments that have a lot of humor to them. Absolutely. Right there, maybe at the funeral or, you know, wherever. There's always humor. There's always life happening. Yeah. And so to, to, to move it away and say, oh, that's just so horrible. We're not going to talk about it. It sucks the life right out of the, you know, the air right out of the room. Sure. And in fact, there was a study that was done in the UK that looked at um, people who had grown up in a home where talking about death was not a taboo subject, just normal 
And people who were brought up where it was never discussed, it was definitely taboo. The people who grew up in a home where death wasn't a, a big boogeyman in the closet mm. were funnier than people who grew up without repressed. death in their life. Rep- repressed. Repressed from Exactly. It. Yeah, well, 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 because it really is one of those, like, you got to know how to laugh. Exactly. And I, I remember my grandfather, I, to this day, am one of those people that I am a clumsy individual. I make jokes all the time. I have size 16 feet. If you mm. have a trip hazard, I will find it. Um, but he used to joke around with me about the size of my feet when I was a kid. And I remember him pulling me aside and telling me one day, like, you know, I joke with you like that because I love you, right? Mm. Um, like, <laughs> I know you're not going to scratch my ceiling with your feet. I know you're not. <laughs> It's just you're growing fast, boy. Um, but still, that to me is one of the most endearing memories of my yeah. grandfather is him yeah. funly poking, poking fun at the size yeah. of my feet, which were unnaturally large for my Cajun short under six foot family. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and it is different. Um, I even I've, I've even noticed that difference on both sides of my family between. Mm-hmm. My Cajun family, who who has that background of um, that healthy background of wake, yes, and and being there and yes. being there in transition yeah. for everybody, yeah. Um, and my father's side of the family, who is not that way, um, who yeah, they don't talk about such things. It's not what you talk about. Um, pretty sure Bama just played. Can't we talk about Bama? Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so now, while making these well, series wait, of movies, wait, go I, ahead. Actually, it's just something that you said, you know, that when you're able to to wake someone mm. and be there with it, you're also setting yourself up for healthy grieving. That's right. Right? So yeah. you're not going to have repressed memories that are terrifying to you, but... It's really, I think, the whole issue for me around understanding both consciousness continuing after death or not, or how we grieve or all of that. It's about how to be a healthy human being and yeah. to embrace our humanity. Well, right? yeah. That's, yeah, precisely. that's what it's really all about for me. Well, and, and we, especially in the Western Hemisphere, have, are, are really, really hung up on this concept of death and, and about it being a finality. Right. And, and about it just being the end. Right. Um, whereas you go to the other three quarters of the world, mm-hmm. um, not the case culturally or religiously. Um, it's the fact that this is just a stage of life. Right. That you continue. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything ends. Uh, <laughs> uh, so in, in your exploration of all this data and your making of the movies, was there anything that really steeled you and changed the way that you look at death in your own life? Hmm. I hadn't really stopped to think too much about that. I I think that for me, it was just unfolding a deeper and deeper perspective on what I intuitively already believed. And to uh, meet 
researchers and what their issues were around this study and to meet people who had near-death experiences or um, uh, psilocybin researchers who were working with um, existential fear of dying and how that was so beneficial for people who at the end stage of their life were experiencing pain that they couldn't control with medication. But one psilocybin trip alleviated their pain and their deep fear of death. And so what is it about transcendence and being human? Mm. You know, it was Maslow that had the hierarchy of human experience. And transcendence is definitely a mark of humanity. And what researchers were sort of showing with people that have had peak experiences or NDEs is that we're actually wired physically for transcendent experiences. Yes. For the ineffable, right? So... How come we have got wiring, you know, if we don't really recognize that we have that ability? You yeah. know, I mean, that's kind of like the disconnect that we're in our society right now yeah. is that we've gone so far into very materialistic scientific view that we've lost sort of the mystic view. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that you bring up the psilocybin studies because there there has been a large, uh, overwhelming overtake of DMT studies mm-hmm. over the last few years mm-hmm. and the association between DMT experience and near-death experience, mm-hmm. uh, the association between the two and uh, really kind of the idea that your pineal gland is there producing DMT, which is that God molecule that <laughs> that what our brain connects with the divine biochemically. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it may be a DMT surge that happens toward the end. Um, now, yeah. Did you come across any of that in your research or anything like that? Did you look into any of the DMT studies? Or? Uh, oh, just a little bit. Just a little yeah, bit. And, still and I, I have to, ongoing, Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah. And I have to say over the COVID period, even more stuff has been yeah. published and coming out. Yep. It's almost like uh, since a lot of face-to-face research kind of stepped aside, all this data was coming out and, you know, um, actually being published yeah. and listened to in a way that I think if the world had hadn't quite stopped, we wouldn't have heard, you know. Yeah, Um, especially um, when it comes to the use of hallucinogens and the use of hallucinogens in a therapeutic atmosphere. That's right. Um, There has been a a really, really big turnaround academically um, with the idea, especially of psilocybin and and other indigents, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. other things Mm -hmm. that are used by indigenous people, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be Ibogaine, that's, that's another big one. That has come out, Ibogaine and ketamine use as far as uh, withdrawal symptoms and getting people off of drugs. Yeah. Uh, We used to have a gentleman on the show regularly who helped run an Ibogaine clinic in Mexico. Um, And I'm not sure if he's passed, actually. I have not Mm -hmm. been able to get a hold of him in the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. just to hear the work that was coming out on that was yeah. phenomenal and that that is once again a, a source from Africa from indigenous African roots and plants right um, that was very much along the same lines as ayahuasca where the tribal elders were told by spirits how to make this right. how to mix these plants together where yeah. uh, unless you were some biochemist from Harvard out there knowing what 
compounds lied within things. And oh, they would they never have known They're, what yeah. you know is held in a lot of shamanic um, cultures. It's yeah. it's it's really fascinating, and I I love all of this, and I've done so much research around that. But I do have to say that in my films, my audience has been for people. I, I think of my brothers who don't think about things like this. Sure, you know who you know one brother is like, well, yeah, I believe in an afterlife, and the other one is like, no, no, end of end of the road, you die, done, finished, done. I'm like, well, let's open that conversation up a little bit more. Mm. So I really try to make and and do make films in this series that are to have the conversation, to give people enough information to start having, you know, having their own yeah. conversation. So I'm not trying to tell people what they should think because yes. I respect other people's points of view. But um, in my own research and more of this will come out in our, our website, um, yeah, I, I went a lot farther with, you know, into this world, which I find so interesting, the NDE world and the um, spiritually transformative experiences. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it says to me that we are so much more than we think we are. Yeah. You know, and I think to me, if you realize that, and, uh, you know, I'm really interested here at the conference to, to look into the, uh, pre-birth memories. It's like, yes. well, that's really that interesting was, that, stuff, right? Sarah Hines was our previous interview just before you and the concept of precognitive dreams about babies forthcoming, things like that. Yeah, a lot of mothers have those kinds of dreams, Absolutely. which is fascinating. And even even going to the International Remote Viewing Association, yes. talking with people like uh, Jeffrey Mishlove, um, other folks, uh, Hal Putoff, having breakfast mm -hmm. with him, things like that. Yeah. And seeing the fact that every single one of the people that was involved with the founding of the research of this yes. is a PhD holder. Oh, yeah. Um, and not like... Mr. Mishlov, where it's like he is the only parapsychology PhD holder. <laughs> um, like these are like particle physicists. Yes. And things like that. So yeah. it, it should not be strange to us. And it's only now that science has really start, started to turn the eye. And, and like it says right here on the back, does consciousness continue after death or is it lights out? Um, you do not have to get into the concept of a soul. You do not have right. to, like like your dear brother, um, be very consternized with the fact that, you know, um, this is a religious thing or it's not a religious thing. It, it has nothing to do with that. That's right. The question is, does your consciousness uh, survive? Does, does you, as we intrinsically know it, survive? Um, and what can we do to prove that? Right. And, and that's exactly what the... The big sponsorship and the, the grants and everything are about right now is what can we do uh, to to quantifiably prove that this is the case? We have overwhelming, overwhelming substantiative evidence from case study, everything else. Oh, absolutely. Pers you know, personal account. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Oh, gosh. And really... Stories of near-death experiences go back practically to the beginning of written time. Absolutely, you know. So it, yeah. it really isn't a new thing. And as they say, you know, when 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 similar stories repeat over and over again, well, maybe you can't prove it in a lab, 
But it's probably true. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's interesting because that's that's what Robert Bigelow was saying earlier today. Because somebody asked via distance if you know these had to be like full-on scientific quadruple-blind studies, um, and he was like, unfortunately. A lot of this does not apply to general scientific theory and general scientific application. Right. Not that there has not been volumes of work done, even pre-1900s, um, in the beginnings of science as we know it. Um, like, literally right where we came out of the point of illnesses caused by vapors <laughs> to knowing what a bacterium is. Right. Uh, like right. late 1800s, right. um, people were at the same time trying to find out if mass disappeared when when you died. Um, things like that. There mm -hmm. there were all sorts of studies going on um, by very, as they were saying, uh, people who even had Nobel Prizes. So um, the fact that this research now is kind of anathema to some scientists, to me, is odd. Mm. Um I'm I'm one of those that I think by definition science is not static. Exactly. The, the day science yeah. is static, we yeah. really, really yeah. need to worry because now we're talking a new religion. Well, <laughs> well, it, well, it's true. It is threatening, particularly as someone pointed out to me um, at the at the university level, where you've had. Uh, a professor teaching the same course year after year after year, same textbooks, yeah. same everything. Literally written the like, textbook used yeah, by oh, most universities. Absolutely. Royalty, 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 royalty. Um, and then it's like, you want me to include this new research? Yeah. Means he's got to rewrite his course curriculum. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, going to retire in a couple of years and I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. I, I've been doing just fine. So there's, a, there's, you know, I'm being really crude here. There mm. is that element, but there's, there's also just the threatening to the worldview. But I already figured it out when I was 29. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to figure it out. Yeah, again. there, there is that definite uh, when it, when it comes to academia. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard because you're writing grants you're looking for funding for money for that's proposals right. that's right um, and unless it's something frequently unless it's something that will lead to a patent in the name of the university exactly. or a patent to the laboratory that you're working for and that's lead right. to some kind of end result that can be patented or money be made off of it sure um the research may or may not get funded and to know that people yeah. like the Bigelow Institute and Bix are out there doing that. It's fantastic. And funding it. It's to, to the tune of, like they were showing up on there, like twelve, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 grants. Yeah. You know, um, into the millions this yeah. money is going to go. Yeah. And uh, what do you see coming out of that as somebody who's been so entrenched in this study over the last few years making these movies, things like that? Um now that there are things like that, now that there are things like Bigelow Institute putting some money behind stuff, um, do you think that we will see anything well, on what the horizon I, in the next few years? Well, what I, I really think is that the the generation that are in universities now and coming up into universities will have different opportunities yeah. to study and pursue research um, that will change a world perspective. And I, and I think... It makes the world a bigger place. It makes human experience a bigger experience. And I mean, I think, you know, to just bring it home to where the world is right now, 
which is, you know, a death-defying world in chaos and, you know, mass murders and uh, COVID Tide, and Tide pod wars. And, I mean, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but it's crazy, right? It like, is, really, the world is. is aflame. Yeah. And, the quickening is and, Art Bell would say. And I think part of it is, you know, to, to be bold is say it's actually, it's a spiritual crisis because mm. we don't know who we are anymore. Oh, absolutely. So you fucked up my life, yeah. you know? No, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you <no>. didn't. <laughs> And that's just it. Uh, we we have been societally, especially on this side of the world, pushed into such an us versus them mentality yeah. that we have lost that gentle art of conversation. Yes. And, and it has become, how can I convince you of my paradigm? Yeah. And that my paradigm is true in the way. Yeah. Um, when really, I should want to know everybody's paradigm in this room. Yeah. And not want to change it. Yeah. That's I right. I should just want to know and understand it so that I better understand myself and my journey inside of it. That's right. That's um, right. And yeah, we've we've lost that. It became this society of um, either I'm right and you're wrong, mm-hmm. or it's us versus them, or the people who wear that color think this way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. very... It, the term I use on this show is a distillation mentality. Mm. Um, and you end up with a lot of volatile things through distillation, mm. through yeah. distillation process. Yeah. Um, you end up with things that are very polarized instead of, you know, there, there's something to be said about something being a little bit murky and about there being a gray area. There's, there's a million shades of gray between black and white. Feel free to go back and watch a black and white TV. Um, there's a there's a <laughs> lot right. of shades there's in there. It's not just two colors, <laughs> you know. Like that's the prime example. Absolutely. There are, there are only two things there, and it's shades. There aren't even colors, right? You know. Um, and even within that, there's a million tones. Yes. Of shade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you you have to be ready for that reality, and you really that's do right. have to be ready for that's the fact right. that. The That's world right. is bigger than just you. Well, yeah, and it and honestly, our reality, my reality, mm. is something that I have created. Yeah, that I believe in. Absolutely. You know? So, if I recognize that I created it, then it means that well, you created yours. Yeah. Right. And so, well, what's that about? It's uh, it's not about you know me versus you like you're saying it's not that polarity it's more about huh what do you know if we create that world then maybe we could create a world together that looked a little different yeah that we could agree on that's right that's right we we i I made a made a post on somebody's facebook timeline today who's a guest who was asking if if uh love was an imperative or a choice at all um you know, like, can you choose to unlove somebody? I was like, absolutely. Love in and of itself is a choice. Um, you are not forced or coerced into love. You willingly choose to love or not love. Mm. So, yeah, you create that situation for yourself. Mm. Um, it may be an unhealthy way that you've created it because of the structures that you have socially been given mm. and what have been associated with love, that mm. four-letter word in your life mm. from... You know, the the hierarchical members of your family, your mother, your father, did did they give you a good example of love? Um, like like the Dalai Lama said, the the first person that taught me compassion was my mother. She was my model for compassion, not anybody else. 
Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, we are all broken beings. Uh, we don't all come from the most amazing background. Uh, it is what we choose to do with what we are given. That's right. It doesn't define you. Yeah. You define your yourself. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, Although I think that the thing about love is that it's whether we open to it yeah. or not. Because I actually do believe that in the way that Martin Luther King did, mm. you know, that, that, that love isn't um, an anemic, you know, yeah. saccharine kind of love, yeah. you know, nor is it an aggressive love that yeah. There's this kind of love force, like a field, mm. you know, and some people who've had near-death experiences or these, you know, transcendent yeah. experiences talk about that there's an all-pervasive kind of love experience. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I was talking to Dean Radin about this and he was saying, yeah, you know, maybe really consciousness is this this ground consciousness of which everything arises from yeah. and then goes back to. A carrier signal, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. A baseline carrier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or the soup, whatever. Yeah, you know, and 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 so from that point of view, if consciousness is love, yeah. you know, this kind of fundamental, elemental kind of love, then we're either opening into it or not, and that's a choice. Yeah, and that's a choice. Precisely, and that's okay. And, you know, and even cho- to quote Rush, even choosing not to decide is a choice. <laughs> That's like exactly you, right. You've made a choice by you've choosing a, not to participate. Which is pretty much what a lot of people do. Yeah. Which, which is okay. Yes. And I understand that, once again, we we in the West have this different idea. Even when it comes to love, we have lost the, the differentiation between agape love and romantic love. Yes. The, the love of brother, the love of fellow man, and romantic, intimate love. Um, I have no problem telling one of my good male friends before I leave, like, I love you, man. I'll see you soon. Yeah. And giving him a hug, giving him a kiss yeah. even. I yeah, got yeah. no problem with that. Yeah. Um, and, and for some reason, we tend to muddle these things. We, mm. tend to, we tend to really, really muddy the waters and kick up a lot of silt when yeah. it comes to it. Now, yeah. um, we have you for a few more minutes. Let's, let's focus a little bit okay. on, the, on the movie again. Okay. So, um, number one, in the realm of death and dreaming. Yes. Number two, saying goodbye, preparing for death. Um, uh, this one in the realm, consciousness, is fundamental to the second one, saying goodbye, preparing for death. You know, it matters what you think happens after you're di- after you die. Sure. How you want to die. Mm-hmm. So, normalizing the conversation around death, embracing our humanity. How do we talk about that? How do we share a conversation like you and I have just had an amazing conversation about a whole bunch of things? Yeah. But my brothers don't know how to talk about these things. You know. Yeah. And they need to to sort of open up a little more. So saying goodbye, preparing for death is really about having the conversation, you know, knowing when to listen and, and letting someone talk to you. Yeah. And, and also, you know, just uh, sharing your mystery about the whole thing. Um, so it's number two. Number three, which is coming out next year, is the architecture of death. And that is the inner world of dying. 
So it is the wow. weeks and days and hours and moments leading up to death. And that's when, you know, it's sort of like this question about consciousness comes full circle because then you can have shared death experiences or premonitions of someone dying or a whole host yeah. of experiences. But you don't want to wait till someone's on their deathbed to talk about what they want. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't play stairway to heaven when I'm dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will kill you. Yeah. Right? You're going to mess up my death. My wife already knows that. <laughs> no Zeppelin. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so that's kind of the, the, the trilogy overview yeah. and the When You Die project, whenyoudie.org. Um, lots of material there on the, on the site, lots of resources. Um, and you can find so, us on all the social media such platforms. Such an important, important resource out there, especially nowadays in our society. We, we, like you said earlier, we are, we are, at a spiritual loss, it yeah. seems. Uh, and, and that's not to say that we have lost spirituality. We're just lost. Yeah. Um, we, are, we are, as of 2012, in a whole new cosmic cycle, mm. um, which was the whole thing behind the Mayan prophecy was that, hey, you're moving from day into night. You've had the daytime revelation of this technology or revelation. Now comes the nighttime application. And that's what we're in right now. We have, we have had a huge mass of technology and knowledge and everything dumped onto humanity. And we really do have to focus like a laser now, not like a shotgun, um, and focus that energy on what do we do with this now. Right. And, and knowing things like what we know with quantum physics, quantum mechanics, um, e even the concept of manifestation within reality. Uh, and the fact that we are in control over much more than we think um, is a whole new concept for us here in the West. And I think I think things like what you're doing are a huge step to us understanding that and to understanding our place within it. So thank you so much for all the work that you've done with this. I look forward to we will be having a screening of this. Yes. Yes. While, while we're here. I have to tell you. Uh, hardly, my husband just saw it yesterday for the first time, and he lives with me. Oh wow! So it's a sneak preview, and uh, I'm terrified I, to see I, what people say. I like your style because <laughs> I release albums, and my wife is like, "When did you write that? <laughs> like, when did you have time for that?" And I'm like, hey, "You know, I threw a little something together over a weekend, you know, um, stuff like that." So the fact that your husband hadn't even seen it till recently—that's awesome. Um, so once again, before we let you go. Let everybody know where they can go to sign up for the mailing list, where they can go to follow your continued work, where they can go to see in the realm of dream, death and dreaming, where they can go to see the upcoming saying goodbye, preparing for death and more and more when you die dot org. All right. There you have it. While you're online checking out everything from whenyoudie.org, make sure to stop on by CuriousRealm.com. That is the home for all of our episodes. That's the home for all of our guests, our books, and the bookstore, um, all that kind of good stuff. Stay tuned for our continuing coverage of the International Association of Near-Death Studies 2022 conference here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We'll be right back with more authors, researchers, and more right after this, folks.
With the rise in attention to the health benefits of cannabis and cannabinoids, including CBD, True Hemp Science has become one of the premier providers of full-spectrum CBD and CBD-related products. Using a proprietary spigeric process, True Hemp Science extracts maximum benefit from the whole hemp plant. Buds, leaves, stems, seeds, even roots... Every part of the plant is used and then reused to formulate a rich, complex profile of CBD, CBD derivatives, and terpenes guaranteed to provide the relief and benefits you need daily. Visit TrueHemScience.com to experience the best CBD oils, edibles, and topicals on the market today. And use code CURIOUS7 to save 7% off your entire purchase of $50 or more and get two 25-milligram CBD cookies or brownies free. That website, again, is TrueHemScience.com and the code is Curious7. Realm Podcast is your source for the latest and greatest news and events in the world of the paranormal, esoteric, and forbidden knowledge. And there's no better way to spark the conversation than with items from the Curious Realm store. Choose from fan favorites like hoodies, mouse pads, coffee mugs, and more. Buy books and items from your favorite Curious Realm guests. Get your hands on the latest gear for paranormal investigations and experiments we discuss on the show. Open your web browser and stop on by the Curious Realm store at CuriousRealm.com forward slash store to buy the latest Curious Realm wear and out-of-this-world gifts for yourself, your family, or a mind that you want to open. That website again is CuriousRealm.com forward slash store. Have you considered starting a podcast? Looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. Specializing in one-on-one consultation and training with industry professionals in fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies, Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? 
Sign up for your podcast cadet audit today and let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. From consultational workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages, Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit PodcastCadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training and use code CURIOUS20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website again is PodcastCadet.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our continuing coverage of the IANS, International Association for Near-Death Studies Conference here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We are here with Randy Schaefer. He is a near-death experiencer. Uh, he is also an author and a panelist here at the conference. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank also, thank you very much for your services. Thank editor. you, Chris. Thank you. Um, well, let, let's get into it, Randy. Uh, exactly how did you come to the point of a near-death experience? Um, in March of 2020, um, COVID had swept the world by by then and i was living in northwest florida at the time still am and i got i caught covid and my doc when i went to my doctor um he just said oh you have the flu you need to go home and and just rest well three days later i was in the hospital with acute respiratory failure wow and went through uh, emergency intubation and then uh, two days after that, uh, I was placed on a helicopter and medevaced over to a larger hospital in Pensacola, Florida, and was put on um, an ECMO machine, which was basically a heart-lung bypass oh, wow. machine. I was in acute respiratory failure, congestive heart failure. Um Two days after that, my kidneys failed, so I went on dialysis. My heart enlarged, was throwing blood clots. Um, I was bleeding internally from my veins. So wow. every organ that I had, I had a collapsed lung. Every organ that I had just started to completely fail. So I was in the hospital a total of six weeks. And in a coma for four weeks and a total of, of 31 days intubated and just over, just over two weeks, about 16, 18 days, I was on heart lung bypass. Wow. Wow. And that, that's just an incredible story to begin with. I'm just trying to absorb it all. Um, I've had numerous family members that had COVID, not to that extent. Um, you were one of the many extreme cases. Uh, and even to be able to come out of that is incredible to begin with. Um, what was it that ultimately led to your near-death experience sure. during that hospital stay? You know, and I don't know when it happened. I mean, real quickly, to quote, sure. to quote one of my doctors that... Um, came in to see me, uh, and when I asked him, I said, what saved me? How did I get out of all of this? And he said, you should be dead. Yeah. It's a miracle. So, um, 
So I don't know exactly when uh, my near-death experiences occurred, but so it was somewhere between the 29th of March and the 10th of April that I experienced four near-death experiences. Oh, wow. Uh, And on the 10th of April, I was the first person in Northwest Florida to receive convalescent plasma. But um, during that period of time, I had dreams, and I know what those dreams were. Then I had hallucinations, because I was on some pretty heavy medication. Yeah. And I know what they are. Some of them were just silly. And, and But then I had this other realm that I traveled to. And I remember telling my daughter when I first saw her, because I did not see any family members for six weeks. Because if you remember back sure. in March, they closed it down. There were yeah. no visitors. Yeah. And my daughter, uh, who was vital in my survival, is a nurse. And they finally allowed her in to see me. And I was telling her... um that I was not there. I said, I traveled. I went somewhere. And she was like, what are you talking about, Dad? You know, mm. how can you travel? You know? Yeah. But I remember my consciousness waking up. And I was in a tunnel. And it was a fairly dark tunnel. And I don't know how long I was in it. But I was traveling fairly slow through this tunnel. And I remember telling myself, okay, you died, you're dead, but where am I going? And as I was going through this tunnel, occasionally these little little light, uh, windows would show up along the side of the tunnel. And I, and I saw this magnificent bright light that surrounded the tunnel. And you could feel its warmth and love as you moved through this tunnel. But the light never penetrated the tunnel. Oh. And I got out of the tunnel, and I was in a beautiful, beautiful hall, magnificent hall. It had huge, vaulted, ribbed uh, ceilings, uh, beautiful chandeliers that lined the center water features around the center of the hall. Beautiful stained glass windows circled the hall. And off to the sides, there were these big archways that looked like maybe a hallway that led to a different portion of the hall that I was in. It was magnificent gold. It was just brilliant color of gold with opaque floors, gold opaque floors. It was beautiful. And at that time, I felt someone that was next to me. I couldn't feel their presence or see their presence, but I could feel it. You know, I knew somebody was there. Mm. And within a few minutes, this spirit in human form comes up to me. And we stood for a minute or two talking about the beauty of this room, the wonder of this room. And he said, yeah, he said it was one of our most favorite rooms for people to congregate. 
He says, but I'm sorry. He said, you don't belong here. You have to leave. Wow. And he pointed over to a giant double wooden door. And again, the door was just magnificent oak, all with carvings and inlays and just beautiful. So I went out this door into a golden city. And I started my consciousness. Again, I was bodiless. I didn't have a body. So my consciousness just started moving through this golden city. And again, it was absolutely beautiful. Big sky rise, golden buildings as far as you could see. Beautiful, beautifully manicured parks, of colors of which don't exist. In my career in the Air Force, I've traveled to the highlands of Scotland and the highlands of, of Ireland, and I've seen some beautiful dark green grass, but this has, didn't touch it in its wow. beauty. And as we're moving through the, <clears throat> the city, I suddenly realized that I was lost and I couldn't find my way back. And I started to get anxious and scared that I could not find my way back and that I was lost. So I sat down in a panic and I remember a great anxiety coming over me and fear that I was lost. And I could feel movement around me but and I was crying out please somebody help me I'm lost I'm lost and but nobody did nobody materialized to help me and I couldn't figure out why so I remember looking over my right shoulder and this big beautiful staircase rose up into the sky did not know what it was all I knew is if I made it to that staircase, maybe I could be found. Mm. So I made my way over, and I started to come up the staircase. I don't know how high I got, don't know how long I was on that staircase. But I remember hearing a male voice cry out. And he said, there's Randy, get him. And it was like somebody grabbed me by my shirt collar and whisked me off of that staircase. Oh, wow. And I went back into my dark, sedated world. That's incredible, Randy. And it, now, um, the, the first spirit that you ran into, was it, was it somebody that you were familiar with or Never anybody that you know? No. No? Nope. He was a, he was a short gentleman. Uh, he had dark hair and a beard. And like I said, he was in total human form. Hmm. And um, he, I don't know where he came from. I just, all of a sudden he was there, you know. Yeah. And he was the first person to tell me that I didn't belong there, that I had to leave. Wow. And this was your first of four <clears throat> near-death experiences. Yes. Um, yeah. At what point did your second near-death experience happen, and what was that like? Because this, I mean, um, the the fact that you got anxious and became scared how did you how did you process that 
after you came back? Did, did you feel comfortable again, or were you still anxious and scared? When they whisked me off that steps, <clears throat> like I said, I went back into my dark, little sedated world, and my conscious was not present. I was just darkness. So all of those feelings immediately disappeared. And a lot of people, now I was not raised religiously. And I was a major skeptic that there was an afterlife. Mm. My feeling was when you turn off the light switch, that's it. Mm. You're gone. That's the end. And that scared me. And I was a homicide detective for 30 years. Oh, wow. So I could deal with other people's death, but I couldn't deal with my own. And and I can see that as firmly understandable. I mean, it's a point of mortality. And when, um, especially as someone like a homicide detective, there there does come a point of almost cold disconnection. You know, um, it it's a body, it's a crime, um, and I, I can see how that could emotionally be confusing, uh, especially when faced with your own mortality. And did you know at the time when you came back that this was a near-death experience? No, no. I just knew that I traveled and went somewhere, and I started... Really, by just Googling, you know, um, to try to find out some of these messages that I had received. But I I was in that tunnel again, and that tunnel dropped me off into a different part of that city. And I was walking, and that other part of the city was just as beautiful as where I was before. And I didn't know where I was again, but I knew how to get back to those stairs. So I made my way back to where those stairs were, and I started to go up the stairs again. And this time, as soon as I heard the word, there's Randy, I turned very quickly to see who was pulling me off the steps. And it was an older gentleman with a white beard, long white hair. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And he was dressed in a beautiful gold, white robe. And he was the one that would grab me off now, the staircase. Now, you mentioned messages. Um, did those come in your later? Uh, let's, let's talk about that real quick. Uh, some of the messages that you received while you were on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> my final, my final NDE, um, I awoke, my, my consciousness awoke in a void. 
And it wasn't a pitch black void. It had some orbs of light that was traveling around me. And I had a spirit guide. I felt the presence of this spirit guide. And he indicated to me that we had to move on. We had to move into this void. And as I did, I suddenly found myself walking down or moving down this pathway. And it was a dirt pathway. And it was surrounded in beautiful trees and flowers. And you could see the a river running past this pathway. And suddenly, out of nowhere, a little boy appeared. And he had three-quarter length pants on, no shirt, um, kind of the old bowl haircut, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very animated. You know, he was jumping up and down, yelling, follow me, follow me. So I followed him. <clears throat> And he took me into a room, beautiful decorated room. And he says, wait here. So I looked out a picture window and this river ran underneath this building. And on the banks of the river were people just relaxing in conversation along the banks. I don't know how long I was in the room. I didn't know how long I waited. But the little boy came back to me and he said, I'm sorry, but you have to leave. He said, I don't want to leave. I said, I feel so calm and so relaxed and so loved. I said, I don't want to leave. And he said to me, no, I'm sorry. Your room isn't ready. You have to leave. Wow. And with that, I was gone back into my dark, sedated world. And, and you, you refer to this dark, sedated world. Mm-hmm. I, explain that uh, to the audience real quick, what it was like yeah. to be, I guess, under this almost perma-sedation um, and having these machines help keep you alive. Yeah. It, I mean, some period of time, it was almost like asleep where you're just out you're in darkness mm-hmm. i could hear my nurses i could hear them and a couple of them became my good friends couldn't talk to them sure you know occasionally i could see them but i had one favorite nurse her name was mallory and when she came in because being on an ECMO machine requires two nurses present in the room 24 hours a day. And she, when she was on duty, she would always come over and hold my hand and say, Good morning, Mr. Randy. I'm here with you today. It's Mallory. And her, her voice became an angel to me. When I heard it, I just knew that I was going to be safe. And it's funny because after they extubated me and I could speak, I started apologizing to the nurses for yelling and screaming at them and cussing at them. Mm. 
you know. And they said, Mr. Randy, you were sedated. You were on paralyzing medication. You, you were intubated. You were intubated. <laughs> you, were, you weren't saying any you words. Were an <laughs> you couldn't talk. Wow. So that all went on into my head. Wow. You know, I was present. I knew I was sick and I knew I was present. Yeah. I, hold, I had a whole conversation. So with, you knew the difference between conscious sleep, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, and you knew for certain that the voices that and the spirits that talked to you were not the voices of the nurses or the doctors that looked after you. I had a whole conversation with a nurse for days um, that didn't exist. Wow. Because I asked when I went back to thank the nurses and the staff for caring for me. I said, where is the one older nurse, white hair? I said, she was from the Tampa Bay area up here helping out with COVID patients. And I said, she never wore personal protection. She was the only one that never wore that. And they said... She wouldn't have been in the room. We all had to wear PP&E. She wouldn't have been in, allowed yeah. in. I said, well, she always used to hold my hair and stroke my face. And she said, there's nobody on the staff like that. Wow. So I had a whole conversation with her. Never. Interesting. While and, intubated. And uh, did any of the nurses uh, report any experiences or report anything uh, I guess occurring while you were having these episodes, yeah. while you were having the near-death experiences. No, I, I no. was like I said, I was completely sedated and paralyzed. I was just laying there. Wow. You know, but when I was in this dark void, my spirit indicated I had to move on, and suddenly, off in the distance, this light started to materialize and it just grew brighter and brighter and brighter until I recognized my deceased mother-in-law standing there and she was sitting very regally in this chair very proper all dressed in white she had her hair pulled up with a white ribbon she had a ribbon a white ribbon around her waist late 20s maybe but she was sitting very very regally and I was crying out to her Dolores Dolores it's me it's Randy I'm here but she wouldn't acknowledge me she would mm-hmm. look at me but then she, she would just look away so my spirit guide indicated we need to move on <clears throat> and as we got deeper into this void I could see behind me her light slowly dimming away until she disappeared. But at the same time, there was another light in a distance that started to illuminate and get brighter and brighter and brighter. And there stood my dad, my mother, and my sister. Wow. All deceased. And... and, and did you interact with them in any way? Did they interact with you? They did not interact with me. I yelled at them, of course. Mom, Dad, mm. it's me, Randy, I'm here. 
and I was so excited to see them. But I felt that there was a barrier between me and them. Mm. You know, I'm not sure if they could hear me or not, but there was this invisible barrier between the, the two of us. And I was yelling and screaming at them, and their light started to dim away when suddenly far far away to my right hand side an orb of light caught my attention an orb was moving very fast toward me and he came up around my right side and he stopped right in front of me and his face materialized for a brief second and he says to me tell Madison at the salon her grandfather's okay and he moved on to a white porch and he started making red white and blue ribbons and American flags and I instantly knew he was a veteran I I just felt it Mm. he was a veteran and it was about that time my spirit died we have to go you have to leave and again I returned to my dark sedated world now in this third experience with a spirit guide this time because you'd you'd had people uh, you'd had spirits that you interacted with spirits that came up and said hey you're not supposed to be here Uh, the spirit that whisked you off the staircase Um, what was what was the spirit guide like He was like my mentor, you know, telepathically, I knew I was going to be safe. I had Mm. nothing to fear. And the calmness and serenity that I felt, I've never felt on earth. I was just so calm. And even though I couldn't see him, I felt very safe with him because he was guiding me to places where I needed to go. Wow. So when I came out of my coma, the only person I really trusted was my daughter Mm. to talk to. Didn't mention it to the doctors, didn't mention it to the nurses. So when my doctor, because I was trying to figure out what happened. Sure. You know, because I had no reference and I wasn't brought up religiously. Sure. I didn't have any religious to the spiritual. And how long were you in the coma? Uh, 22 days. Wow. 22 days. And this was after the first two experiences? I believe so. Okay. Yes. Because it's, you know, it's hard to say. Sure. Which one was first, which one was second, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel that the spirit that gave me the the message for his granddaughter came last. So I told my granddaughter what, or my daughter what had happened, you know, and she said, who's Madison? I said, I do not know a Madison. I have no clue. Who is the man that came to you? She goes, I don't, I don't know. I'd never saw him before. Huh. How are we going to find her? And I said, 
a veteran gave me a message. I have to find her. Mm. I have a responsibility to find her. <clears throat> so eventually I was released from the hospital in a wheelchair, eventually onto a walker. And I was back in my bedroom. And I started digging through my dresser drawers, that junk drawer, you know, that you keep throwing things in yeah. and never get a chance to clean out, yeah. you know. And I came across a business card to a local barber shop in town. So I took it out to my wife and my daughter was there. And I said, could you guys call and find out what they're doing for haircuts? I'd like to get my haircut. So I went back into my room, and a few minutes later, my daughter comes in, and she starts questioning me about this card. Where did I find it? How long have I had it? Where did I get it? Yeah. How long, you know, all these questions. So I finally said, Lisa, what, what are you talking about? And she said, Dad, I think we found your Madison. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? And she handed me the card, and here clearly written on the card was Madison Logan. Wow. So I said, make me an appointment with Madison. I want to talk to Madison. So we did, and she, and we went down to see Madison, and my daughter had told her how sick I was. So we're sitting here, cutting. she's cutting my hair. And I said, could I ask you some personal questions? And she said, yeah, sure, you know, by all means. So I said, well, are both of your grandfathers still alive? And she goes, no, she said, my one grandfather that I was closest with passed away less than a year ago. Now, remember, this was in 2020, March. Yeah. And he passed away in June of 2019. And I said, oh, did he live here in Florida? Did he live in the local area? And she said, no, no. She says, my whole family is from Iowa. She says, I'm only down here because my husband received a doctorate degree in physical therapy. And he's getting some training in his first job. She said, we're going to eventually return back to Iowa. So I figured I had the right girl. I said, was your grandfather a veteran? And she said, oh, he talked about the Army and Vietnam. And by this time, she was getting a little curious of why I was asking all these questions. And I finally said to her, I think your father, grandfather came to me. And he has a message for you. And she's looking at me like I'm crazy, you know. And I said, Madden, Madison, this, these were his exact words. Tell Madison at the salon your grandfather's okay. He wants to know that he is safe and he is okay. And you need not worry about him. So after we all composed ourselves... I asked her, I said, Madison, I said, he moved on to a white porch. Is that important to you? And she said, that would have been his house in Iowa. 
It had a white porch, and he loved sitting on the white porch and talking to the people as they went by during the day. And I said, well, he showed me him making red, white, and blue American flags and ribbons. Is that somehow connected? Chris, she took a step back and looked at me like I had a third eye. And she said, every Veterans Day, her whole family would get together and go down to the local American Legion where he belonged. And they made red, white, and blue ribbons and American flags for the veterans' graves. Wow. Wow. That is beautiful. Amazing. And... and how have these experiences for you, and especially that experience of having having that confirmed um, by a by an unknown party, literally unknown party, um, how has that changed you, Randy? I mean, there's there's one thing to having been a homicide detective. And I would love to have you on sometime just to talk about your vast experience with that, sure, um, because that's an incredible life to live. Um, but how how have these experiences changed you and changed the way that you look at life, people, oh. the world around you? <laughs> Complete 180 degrees. As a homicide detective, I was very um, aggressive. You know, my master's degree is in forensic science. Oh, wow. So my whole world evolved around physical evidence. Yeah. I had to have the fiber. I had to have the blood. I had to have somebody's DNA. I had to have the hair. I had to have the fingerprints. Yeah. I had to have that physical evidence to prove to me that something happened. And then my job was to find out, based on my evidence, Mm -hmm. who did it. That was my whole world. I was very much a type A personality. Um, I didn't trust people. Um, I don't know how my wife put up with me for 50 years because we were celebrating our 50-year wedding anniversary. Wow. This year. Congratulations. Thank you. And I don't know how she did it, you know, mm. um, because I put that work first above them Mm. you know if I had an interview to do if I had a surveillance I had to do if I had to go interpret some evidence or I had to do go go do an experiment yeah you're not with evidence you're not going to not answer the phone when it rings correct we she's missed birthdays concerts yeah we've missed them all as a family so that's the type of person that I was, very tense, very confrontational, mm. you know, as a person. And I say all the time, and I realize COVID was a, it is still a terrible, terrible disease. Absolutely. And I wish it upon no one. But COVID saved my life, you know. Wow. Because... 
I believe God gave it to me because he knew I needed to change. Maybe I was on that wrong path. Mm-hmm. And he wanted me, because I was a skeptic, major skeptic, you know. I wanted to believe, but nobody gave me that proof. Sure. I went to church, and what did they say? In hopes of rising again. You don't know? Yeah. Be yeah. the church. You don't there's, know. You're there's hoping. no definitive here? Yeah, we're hoping we're going to yeah. raise again, you know? Yeah. So I just went through the motions, you know. Mm. Like I said, I was never religious. My family didn't read the Bible. We didn't talk about God. We didn't certainly didn't talk about death because my father died at a very young age, and I was 15 years old. Oh, wow. And I tried to save him and couldn't. I lived with that guilt and that loss for 50 years. Yeah. You know. But now, even my family say, Dad, you're not the same person. I'm softer, you know. I'm I'm in a deeper relationship with my wife and my family now. We have conversations now that we would never have, you know. Yeah. Post before COVID, pre-COVID. Um, I can talk about God and Jesus and the Bible and heaven and I wouldn't have done that before because I would have been I would have walked away when those conversations started interesting interesting and uh, one of the things that we talk about regularly on this show is the adverse side of experience um, frequently you, you are one of one of the people that we have heard from who is an experiencer that uh, did not hide their story for a decade, 20 years, half their life um, for fear of either ridicule, uh, even even holding city office, yeah, things not, like that. Not you know. sure what even what um, happened to them. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. Even even if this experience had happened to you while you were an active detective. Yeah. You know, it um, may have been different. Exactly. You know, yeah. like that, that stuff that can absolutely be used in a court of law. Yeah. And, you know, like, oh, well, you know, he says this happened. How much if he's willing to accept that without evidence? What about this? He's crazy. You know, We're going to take absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard sometimes for people to come forward with their story of experience, what what words would you have for those out there that have had an NDE, mm-hmm. um, and and even even those that, much like your daughter, uh, much like your wife, are the other experiencers of the NDE, mm-hmm. you know, um, because they had their experience during that also, while you were having your experiences. Yes. Um, what advice would you have for those people? When I came home a few weeks later, I think a little bit of that detective side kicked in. And I had to understand what happened to me. Mm. So I went to social media and I started Googling, you know, after death communication. Sure. Uh, Golden City 
And it kept coming back to these near-death experiences. So that drove me to look into that more. And as I told my story to family and some friends, they all encouraged me, you have to get this word out. People need this feeling of hope, and especially with COVID, and yeah. of where their loved ones are yeah. and what they are experiencing and that they are safe and they are pain-free and that they are in a better place. So answer that first part, that's why I started telling my story early on. And my daughter goes to a particular church there where we live, and she happened to mention it to her her pastor. Mm. And he goes, he has to come in to talk to us. And I ended up doing a presentation to their senior ministry, and every one of them said, you have to get this word out. God sent you back to spread this story of hope and love. Yeah. And I felt committed to do it. I think that's why he sent me here. That's beautiful, Randy. You know, to be able to do that. I tell people all the time when they ask me, okay, I'm a non-believer. I'm not sure about the afterlife. Um, that's your opinion. You know, I can only tell you what happened to me yeah. and what I experienced. But hopefully what I have told you will give you some peace knowing that your spirit is not going to die, that you are going to transition and be in a much better place. A lot of people call it, you're going to go home, because that's where we came from, mm. you know. And for some reason, God is putting me into people's life that need to hear that story. As an example, I was down here in the lobby just the other day, and I see this lady walking by. And she looked so familiar to me. And she wasn't part of the conference, you know. And I kept looking and kept looking. And I suddenly realized she was a stewardess on an airplane coming from Dallas to Salt Lake City. So I walked up to her and I said, hi. I said, um, fancy running into you here. I said, you probably don't remember me. I said, but you were the stewardess on our plane. And she goes, oh, what, yesterday coming up from Dallas? And I said, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we talked about flying and things for a few minutes. And she said, oh, what is, what is, what is all of your name tag and what are you doing yeah. here? And I said, oh, I said, I'm, on a, I'm here at a conference and, and um, International Association for Near-Death Studies and she kind of looked at me and she says, what's the green experiencer mean? And I said, well, I said, it means that I've been to heaven. I experienced heaven and I was allowed to come back to share my story. And she starts crying. And I said, are you OK? I said, I'm so sorry. You know, did I say something? And she goes, no, you don't understand. 
I had a niece die 30 minutes ago, and I just got notified. She goes, I needed to hear this. That's beautiful. Tell me wow. more. And I sat and told her what heaven is like and what I experienced while I was there. And that's not the first time something like that has happened to me. Yeah. So I think I'm a messenger, you know, and he puts these people in front of me so I can give them peace about their loved one. That is amazing and an amazing change in life and in spirit for you, Randy. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story. Uh, your many stories. Uh, let everybody know because unfortunately your book is not here on the table. It is yet to be released. Yes. Uh, it is yes. coming out, but let everybody know uh, what the book is, yeah. uh, where they will be able to find it. And if you have a website or anything yeah. like that, let the folks know. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I am in writing my book. I have my book cover finalized and uh, it's being edited. Uh, it's called To the Veil and Back. Surviving COVID-19, and it's about a family's odyssey um, because it's it's a two-pronged book because my family, unbeknownst to me, took the hospital head-on to get me that convalescent plasma because mm. the hospital wasn't going to give it to me. It was too experimental. Yeah. And they insisted on doing it. My family found the donor to have it done, you know. So it talks about their story and how they manipulated and and worked through the hospital. On the other side, it talks about my development of how I developed my lack of God and my trust in God. And the fact that he became a distant figure in my life, but yet how COVID saved it. And now how I am so much spiritual. Talk to him every day. I thank him every day for all the blessings that he has given to me. So it's that type of a... And my daughters have re- re- written three paragraphs in the book. Oh, wow. To share their story about how their dad was in the hospital and they weren't ready to lose me. So hopefully it will be out. Um, uh, We're hoping for the end of the year. Um, You can go to to theveilandback.gmail. Okay. Dot com. And a pre-order. Okay. And um, as soon as it's out, we'll get in touch with you and we'll get a copy off. Absolutely. And we would love to have you back on whenever the book is released love to. Uh, to get more in depth into these stories. Uh, thank you so much once again for your time during this very busy IANS 2022 conference, Randy. Greatly Chris, appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's absolutely a pleasure. Um, please, while you're online, checking out everything from to the com. Gmail.com. Gmail. Oh. Yeah. To the veil and back at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to stop on by Curious Realm. CuriousRealm.com is where you can find all the episodes, interviews, uh, our knowledge vault, uh, our free app. That is where you can tune in live every Tuesday. So uh, look forward to more interviews here at IAN's 2022 coming up right after this, folks. We'll be right back.
With the rise in attention to the health benefits of cannabis and cannabinoids, including CBD, True Hemp Science has become one of the premier providers of full-spectrum CBD and CBD-related products. Using a proprietary spigeric process, True Hemp Science extracts maximum benefit from the whole hemp plant. Buds, leaves, stems, seeds, even roots. Every part of the plant is used and then reused to formulate a rich, complex profile of CBD, CBD derivatives, and terpenes guaranteed to provide the relief and benefits you need daily. Visit TrueHemScience.com to experience the best CBD oils, edibles, and topicals on the market today. And use code CURIOUS7 to save 7% off your entire purchase of $50 or more and get two 25-milligram CBD cookies or brownies free. That website again is TrueHemScience.com and the code is CURIOUS7. Have you considered starting a podcast? Looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. Specializing in one-on-one consultation and training with industry professionals in fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies, Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? Sign up for your Podcast Cadet audit today. And let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. From consultation workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages, Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit podcastcadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training and use code CURIOUS20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website again is podcastcadet.com. Curious Realm Podcast is your source for the latest and greatest news and events in the world of the paranormal, esoteric, and forbidden knowledge. And there's no better way to spark the conversation than with items from the Curious Realm store. Choose from fan favorites like hoodies, mouse pads, coffee mugs, and more. 
Buy books and items from your favorite Curious Realm guests. Get your hands on the latest gear for paranormal investigations and experiments we discuss on the show. Open your web browser and stop on by the Curious Realm store at CuriousRealm.com forward slash store to buy the latest Curious Realm wear and out-of-this-world gifts for yourself, your family, or a mind that you want to open. That website again is CuriousRealm.com forward slash store. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to our continuing coverage of the IANS, International Association for Near-Death Studies Conference here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We have the pleasure of having with us Patricia Grebo. She is an experiencer of near-death experience, as well as an author of Climate Change, the Healing, The Immortal Now, Love to the Millionth Power, and Jill's Story, uh, which is a fictional account of yes, with the, the information yeah. and the concepts from climate change. So um, thank you very much for your time. It's, it's often hard to get authors to be pulled away from their location. Really? Well, I mean, it, it's hard. You're working a, you're working a sales floor. So <laughs> um, let's get into your experience and what, what your near-death experience was, Patricia. Well, um, can you imagine me six feet tall in a Mini Cooper? Oh. <laughs> so my son, Chris, is in the front seat, and my son is 15 years old. Tim is in the back seat. And I am determined that I'm going to take my children on a bicycle trip through Europe. And I'm determined that we're going to have fun. And that I'm going to get my life put back together again. i just come from a devastating end to a relationship with a man I thought I loved. Mm. And as he walked out the door, he said the whole relationship had been for revenge. And he wanted me in a position where I lost everything, and he was correct. I had lost everything. Wow. And I lost my speaking voice for three days. And then I realized I had to start over again. So I withdrew my teacher's retirement and to, decided this trip to Europe on a bicycle for a month was going to do the trick. So we decided, we decided we would start in England. And we were just coming back from Stonehenge and uh, Salisbury. And we're in a suburb of London, and I'm focused on this little Mini Cooper that we fondly called Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> Not being lost in suburban London with a, in a rainstorm where the rain is just coming down in sheets. So I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm driving. I begin to smell gas fumes in the car. And so I roll the window down, we get soaked, and then I roll the window back, and I roll the window down. Well, I lost consciousness. And our little Mini Cooper headed towards two gas pumps. Oh, my. And we were head on by a Mercedes-Benz. And, and there's pictures over there of yes. that Cooper. It looked like a crumpled piece of paper. Yeah, it was a pretty devastating accident. It was pretty devastating. And I can't even imagine what my children went through. Chris, you've met Chris, mm, yes. had a broken femur and a broken arm. And Tim was bruised. But can you imagine what they watched my lifeless body getting out of that crumpled wow. Mini Cooper? 
So I don't know because I don't know. I'm not there. And the beauty of for what happened to me was there was no I. There was no Patricia. I was in love beyond measure. They call it, I call it love to the millionth power. That's why the name of that mm-hmm. book is Love to the Millionth Power. It is like when I was a child, my grandmother, I loved my grandmother. And she was 80 and I would climb on her lap and, and I would, and she would put her arms gently around me and her little German accent and she would say, tell me she loved me and she meant it. It's that kind of love mm. that was not quantifiable. Yeah. It was beyond imagination. Or when you see your child for the first time and you hold him in your arms, and these arms are meant to hold them. Yeah. And you just disappear because you love them so much. And take that and multiply that times a million. I was that love. Mm. And I lost and I was whole and then it must be when it's like coming back being born because suddenly I'm back in this hospital in Kingston and gravity is pushing on me and I can feel every capillary in my body and light is just horrible and I, I realized that whatever happened here I'm back so they my ex-husband was an ABC news correspondent so he was in Paris he came over and he couldn't stay so he sent Tim back to his home Chris had to stay in the hospital till the femur healed and they had to ship me back with my injuries so uh, that's that's how I died and what wow. came back and what what were the messages that you received while you were on the other side that led you to write climate change the healing well my my story is a little different from okay that. okay so I come back I'll tell you the story pretty Please. briefly so I come back and I all I want to do is go back my I, my sister and her husband beat me at the airport and I and they I'm crying uncontrollably. It's not because of the severance of that relationship, because every second, every minute, I just want to go back to where I was. And I tell my sister, go ahead, I'll catch up with you. And that night I think of taking my life. And I'm struggling all night long because I just want to go back to where I was. I make it through the night. I get to my sister's. My brother-in-law gives me what I call the luminous gifts of the spirit. Mm. And he says, why don't you try automatic writing? And I said, fine. And it worked. I was up all night with these loving messages. And it says I was supposed to do four books in my life. And they were to help humanity for the next hundred years. That was the purpose of them. And that I would be given housing and I would be given money so that I could do these four books. So I said, fine, whatever you say. I mean, it's so accurate. I've got to tell the story. It's so accurate that it took me to Jackson, Wyoming. And it said, go to the Silver Dollar Bar and you will find the man who has home you will will be and get his phone number. 
So I go to the Silver Dollar Bar. There's one stool. I get this guy's phone number. I don't even know who he is. And then it had me go to Wilson, Wyoming, this automatic riding. And it said, I see this cute log house, and I think, wow, that is darling on the street. It said, that man owns this house, but you will not offer that house until August 15th, at which point you will offer $400 a month. And in three weeks, you will have a job on the North Slope. Fine, whatever it says, I will do. So... I, I, in fact, got a job on the North Slope in three weeks at Construction Camp One. Wow. I had my friend Judith call this number of this man I don't even know. And she called me and she said, Pat, are you sitting down? And I said, I will. And, and she said, number one, that man owns that house. Number two, the people that live there gave their notice three days ago. And the house is available, and it's three ninety a month. So the writing was ten dollars. Wow! Uh, but it guided me to to. Uh, I got the house. I had the money to live on. My son Tim came out because he loves skiing, and he joined the Jackson Ski Team. I find out I'm pregnant, and I meet the people who are going to help me do these four books. Wow! So I. <coughs> The people that I was led to worked with Casey's work, and they know how to do this channeling or voice communication. Mm. So we we started the books. So the first book I did was called Love to the Passage from Fear. The second was Passage from Karma. I have my, my little boy, and um, then it said... The third book was going to be on love, salvation, and soulmates. And the fourth was going to be on the nature of the present time. So, <clears throat> I, but I don't do the book on love to the millionth power, a woman's journey from death to love to living in the immortal now, until almost 15 years later. Oh, wow. Because it says everything comes from within. And you don't have a treatise on love, salvation, and soulmate. You have a life on love, salvation, and soulmate. And that your nature is what I experienced when I died. And it is time that even, even the scientific community has a paradigm it works from. It works from the idea that we're born, we live, we die, good and bad. Yeah. Medieval theology. But this is saying no. This is saying we are that love to the millionth power. Mm. And it never left me. I did what it, for 40 years, I've done everything it told me to do. And, and I have meditated with the meditation I was given. So I finished the, the, the third book was on the nature of the present time. It's called mm. The Immortal Now. See, when you die, you're just as present as you are. It's not eternity. It's the nature. You're present. You're a present being. And you're really, your substance is love to the millionth power in the present time. And I didn't really understand that, but I think we're beginning to get that in the heart. We don't get this here. We get this here. Yeah. And so I, I compare this to... 
um, in, uh, to um, kind of I don't think I was supposed to do the book on climate change until I finally reached mm. this place. And, uh, can I do I have time to tell a quick oh, story? Oh, sure. Okay, so, I mean, this has been going on. So, I published the first book with a Saul Stenberg. Bruce had contacted a book called Course of Miracles had just come out, and Saul was the publisher for that. And then he made arrangements for me to go to Los Angeles for this other person that he was publishing, Louise Hay. So, this is back a long time ago mm. and we and then he made arrangements for us to go to the Moscone Center at the American Booksellers Convention in San Francisco so I go with Saul and, and Louise and Rob is three years old so he's running all over the place and I'm chasing him Louise has to manage our booth Saul disappears Louise turns to me and she says Pat I am not going to publish with Saul anymore I am going to start my own publishing company, and that was Hay House, which is a very large metaphysical publishing house. Yeah. So I have these 40 years of fidelity, and that love to the millionth power I experienced when I died never left me. I was always tethered to it because it is our nature. Mm. So um, there's uh, Andrew Wiles, who did it. solved a mathematical equation called Ferret's Last Theorem. Mm-hmm. Took him nine years. And he'd just get close to it, and then it was not quite right. And finally, he solved it nine years full-time on his own dollar. I'm kind of like that. <laughs> I and So about a year ago, I was told I was to do this book on climate change, The Healing. I was to channel it. So I said, okay, whatever you say, always. And so it said, my job is to get this across the planet so everybody can see what it's saying. It's stunning. It's stunning. It takes takes our concepts of science and completely changes them because our we still base our concepts of science on the fact that we are we're born, we live, we die, we're good and bad. We still base our concepts of science upon medieval theology, whether we like it or not. Mm. And this is coming in and saying, no, this is who we are. When we die, you hear this all the time with near-death experiencers. They have this love, this light of love that overwhelms them. Isn't that remarkable? That's who you are. Yeah. In the present. It's the moment before you're hit by a wave. That's... Yeah. And then what you see and experience is like an image on a mirror of what the truth is. Mm. So science will never get to the truth of climate change. Now, when my son broke his femur, you'd think the bone would just get together and it would heal. And, but that isn't the way the bone heals. The bone actually goes in and rebuilds its entire self because that way it's strong. Yeah. Okay, so this book is almost the definitive work 
that science doesn't get, which is everything is love. And it's like truth. Do, do, you, do you ever, can you quantify truth? Can you say, I have three ounces of truth? Uh, no, no. Can you, can you say no. where it is? Truth is? Truth, much like time, is relative to the observer. But there is, but there is, it's always available anywhere yeah. into unlimited, it's unlimited where it's available. Hmm. And love is that way. And what we are, all, this is saying, all substance is love. We think the atmosphere, we think we have the atmosphere. We are the atmosphere. And that is love. And it proves that, it says it. It's the most radical book that is out there right now, I believe. And it's, it is the least likely solution to climate change, but it may be the only solution in print. Yeah. And even Target is beginning to carry it. And it but Jill's story is a, a way that people that aren't used to all this can just read the story and get the concepts. And, and then if they're interested beyond that, then they can read the book on climate yeah. change. Yeah. And they, now, uh, when it comes to climate change, uh, once again, it's, it's understanding the, the frequency of love and the vibration of love and the fact that because we aren't necessarily vibrating that way, the earth is resonating. It's and, your substance. Yeah. Yeah. It's who you are. Yeah. And I didn't really, really get that. But you don't know that here. You know that here. Mm. And I really didn't get that until I did this book. So I was like, I was like Andrew Wiles. I didn't get, it, it didn't all come together until I did this book. Yeah. And. But it isn't, it isn't like I'm out here as Patricia. Because when I died, I wasn't Patricia. Mm. I was love, period. Yeah. And, and so... With, with the one as, as we many... We are one. Yeah. It says the, the way it's happening is all life is one. At the Godhead. And, and the uh, Dalai Lama calls this a wonderful book. Yeah. And, we are, and so all life right now is working on climate change. All life. All life together. So it isn't political and, gee, I'm for it and I don't know if I believe it or any of that other thing. That's all over there in medieval theology. The reality, which is the substance of who you are, your everything... It's all working together on this issue of climate change. So I, I want to get it out there. So, I mean, I'm, I have to. That's what I'm, so I've always yeah. been obedient. I have to get it out there so that it's an option, you see. Yeah. It's, it's so that you can say, like, maybe the mythology of the earth being held up by a turtle maybe mythology you see sure and maybe that isn't quite the truth you see and yeah. so you want to look at some other options here yeah now 
how long after your accident? One of the one of the things that we talk about regularly on the show with experiencers is um, many many experiencers. The greater number of experiencers do not come out uh, with their experience until years years after it happened. How long after your near death experience in that car crash? Uh, how long after did you come out with your experience and start writing the books? I actually came out right away to the people mm. that helped me out. I, I was told I'd go to a Casey meeting and I had 17 notebooks full of automatic writing. And I go to the meeting and I say, I, I'm supposed to be here and there's supposed to be someone who helps me get these had, books done. Had you ever experienced automatic writing or the no, skill of automatic a, oh, writing no, before that? No, of course that? not. Of course and not. are you still practicing automatic writing? Yeah, I'm do, yes. I do, I do, I get all my guidance for 40 years. Wow. And my friend David MacArthur, I have to tell the story. So he, he and I was one of the people I was led to was the MacArthur family. David's wife had just been murdered. And it led to his being a, going from an attorney to a unity minister to head of the Unity Churches International. And he, the hall, they've all been just supporters of this work. I said, well, David, it hasn't gone across the planet. And he said, it doesn't matter. Because like, like Foucault's theorem, it's, it's solved. It's there. Yeah. He said, it'll have its own life path. But I, I actually was guided to tell my story so that I could do the books I had to do. And we only had, of the hundred years the book said we're supposed to help humanity, we only have 60 years left. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it's, it's not my story as, that, as important as what came from that story yeah. into, into these books. So yesterday when I did a talk, I had them. I gave people the books. I said because in this in this kind of situation, all we have is t- little time for you to hear the story. Yeah. But to, for you to spend time with the concepts of the immortal now and all these other books, it'd be just fun. Like in the immortal now, it says there is no time. There are moments. Yeah. We live in moments. Yes. And we live in moments of love. If you think of the, your first love, you can be transported right to that first love yeah. right now. Because that's how we live. And so it takes the book, uh, The Immortal Now, it takes us into a different way of looking what, what the people have read it. So call it startling a new perspective on life. Yeah. So you begin to to you begin to it's almost to me like the burden of sin and repentance. The second book is is on uh, passage from karma, mm. the end of sin and repentance. Yeah. All that burden is lifted from you. The burden that you die. The burden that you pre-birth. All those are lifted from you, and you move into love itself. And, you know... power that is. It's it's interesting. Uh, We we regularly have the conversation about love, frequencies, uh, things like that on this show. And here in the... Here in the West, we do... We have a very muddled understanding of love. 
Uh, we tend to we yes. tend to intertwine it with romanticism. We yeah. tend to intertwine it with physical intimacy. Yeah. Um, when there is like pure agape love for the yeah. world around you, your fellow man, plants, um, plants animals, yeah. um, doesn't matter. That is that is that feeling that you get the little tug behind your yeah. belly button yeah. when you meet somebody that's like, wow. There's something here, um, and that does not have to be a romantic thing. That is, no. and uh, there, I, I have said for years, uh, the idea of falling in love, yeah. I think, is is really the root of the problem. Because by by removing the intentionality yeah. of love and the fact that love yeah. is an intention, Very you you point. intend yeah. to yeah. love. Yeah. You can choose to love or not to love. You can yeah. wake up today and be like, you know what? I don't really need to love anybody but me today. Yeah. Need my cup yeah, filled. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. The important thing is knowing that you need love right now. Yeah. So that you can give love to other people. Yeah. Um, and, and we've really obscured that spiritually and physically here yeah. here in the West, in, in Europe, everything yeah. else. Uh, many Eastern cultures still still yeah. fully um, appreciate that and have that and have a, like the Dalai Lama, he, Buddhists, he, uh, you know. And the scientific yeah. community just nullifies it. Well, and what's interesting is that um, the more we have gotten into quantum mechanics and things like that, we have, we have realized the fact that there is this malleability to the fabric of what's yeah. around us. And that, yeah, we can manifest things. We can, like, yeah. your, your anger toward people is a manifestation. Yeah, true. Absolutely, <laughs> and, is, and is ten times more powerful than any vibration of love, sadly yeah. and horrifyingly. So when you choose to literally even use the word hate, as opposed to anything like, I hate ketchup. Okay, cool. That is don't an inanimate it. thing. <laughs> if, how can you... Ha- I don't grasp psychologically the concept of hating somebody you've never met. Yeah. And putting energy into that. Yeah. And putting energy into that hate. Yeah. Like giving it life. What does that do to you? Here? Yeah. Yeah. How does that feel when you it, do that? It is... A, it is a, for me, it is a corrupting moment. Yeah. Um, it, it is... A, my spiritual basis is Roman Catholic. Spent a year in the seminary studying to be a priest. Uh, left. Spent many years as a youth minister. Uh, taught spirituality, religion for better than a decade. Um, because it wasn't for me. Uh, it was for other people. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that I needed to focus on me, too. So that I could give to other people in another aspect. Um, but through that journey it was one of those that it, it became easier for me to love Did it? than to hate yeah um, and it's because it was a decision and the day that I realized that it was a decision yeah that I was literally like I was letting that focus of hate win yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was literally giving my power over to it and on a is, daily basis. It is your power. It is. Love is the only power. Exactly. Hey, no power. Yeah. We give it power. We give the it power. Love gives it power. Yeah. But so. but getting this yeah. climate change is the most radical book on the planet right now because it takes on 
this whole concept yeah. that we're born, we live, we well, die, and, and that there's good and bad. That is the turtle holding well, up the world mythology. Right. It is not true. Yeah. You talk yeah. to near-death experience survivors, and they will tell you to a person yeah. that there was, what do you mean, there's the end of everything. We are present beings. Yeah. I was as present when I died as I am present now. That's right. We have the present time. I was at uh, Deepak Chopra's meditation. And the woman said, we're eternal beings. I said, no, we're not eternal beings. We're present beings. Ever present. That's, that's, yeah. that, that's different. Yeah. This takes it on. Well, and even right here. It's so important. It, it says it's not an easy read because it uses words like love and says that the traditional religions, socials, and political systems and languages cannot produce the changes that will heal the planet. Um, yep. In one sentence. Absolute truth. Uh, because it, all of that is corruptible. Yeah. All of that, all of that can run yeah. through the fallacy of politics. It can run through the fallacy of who's right, who's wrong, That's pointing correct. fingers, uh, and, and the like left-right paradigm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it, it really takes an open mind, an open heart, to approach situations like this, and to because in, until until people reach that point of compassion, period. Yeah, and and really, people have that's, lost even that's the here. yeah, and and people have even lost the point of the the root of the word compassion. It means to suffer alongside. Wow, it means to suffer with somebody. I didn't know that. Yeah, it means to literally know somebody's pain. And this says and because because all life at the Godhead is one. I can feel the pain of someone in Kenya. Yeah. Because we are one. Absolutely. And there is no no separation of all life. No, no. And so all life is working in love to solve the issue of climate change. Yes. And it is the most hopeful book, but you have to shift the premise. You have to go from saying the... The world is held up by a turtle mythology. Yeah. yeah. You have to get rid you've, of the you've mythology. Got to, you've got to be willing get to... get to the pure love that is yeah. real that I experienced yeah. when I died. Well, you've, you've, got to get, you've got to be willing to get past a, a, a positive or negative polarity yeah. to spirituality. That's great. I, I, taught on, I taught in Bush, Alaska, native villages. Mm. They have 20, in Yupik, Eskimo, they have 26 words for love. They have three words for time. Wow. English is just the opposite. We yeah. have three words for love, 26 words for time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see. And we, we, so it, our perspective shifts. Yeah. And, and that's what you're saying. Even the, even the perspective shifts of, once again, quantum mechanics, physics, things like that, we have, we have now come to realize that, once again, like, I say it on the show all the time. I am actively right now sharing my electron shell with somebody in Peru. Yes, yes. Don't tell me we aren't connected. Yeah. Don't tell me that there isn't, aside yes. from WWW, a worldwide internet yes. of feeling, emotion, love. Um, even even with the egg experiments that happened yeah. with MIT, uh, where, where they were using random number generators that 
we're following trends of humanity. And just as 9-11 happened, the major world events, things like that, these numbers spiked. Really? In random number generators. Yes, matched up. Connected. Um, it's connected. Uh, we have to be willing to accept that connection. And we have to be willing to, to be responsible and accountable for what we bring into a room with us, well, the that luggage that really we are carrying. point, Chris. Because we, we all forget that we're walking into a room with luggage, and sometimes we ask people to carry it for us. Um, that's not their job. It's our job. Um, and we need to clean up what's in our luggage and lighten that up so yeah. that we can return to more love. Uh, let everybody know, Patricia, where they can go to get their copy of Climate Change, The Healing, now, Love to the Millionth Power. Where where can they go to get it's all on the, the books? Amazon. Everything. <clears throat> and also, I have a website. is climatechangethehealing.com. Okay. And it'll... It'll go into a lot of this. It's but that you're talking about the atmosphere. It, it, it goes into we're not separate from water. Yeah, water is in every cell of the body yeah. because it allows life to be mobile. Yeah, and move. And if you didn't have water in every cell, you would not move. We're all part of water. That we're not separate. What we are working with, and that is love. And it translates the atmosphere, the sun, all those. It shows you how that is the love that we are experiencing. We experience it. We are not saving the world. We are experiencing the world. We are the world. We are the world. Literally. And we are love to the millionth power in the present time. And we are one, so we can do this. It's every healing in your body or any place else takes place in love. It does not take place in anger, hatred, all those things. Healing takes place. And when you break your arm, you can't stop your arm from healing. It will heal. Is that your nature? Hate literally has to be learned prime example exactly go watch any children you you were a teacher i taught children myself you walk into a room of four five and six year olds that are strangers to each other you will see no hate you will see zero hate amongst them and they're funny they they play with each other they are each other's equals they're each other's peers there may be a bully amongst them that says no my toy things like that um but the first inclination is love. Who are you? What's going yeah. on? That's the first inclination. Each other. Yeah. Hate has to be taught and learned. Love is natural. It is. It absolutely so, is. Um, thank you so much for your time during this very busy conference. Oh, no. I'm just and I'm thrilled to be here. My job. I would love to have you on anyway. again and again to discuss okay, this topic because it is, it is so important and it something so that I truly stand behind. Um, Hey, my, my religious and spiritual experience is mine and my own. Uh, I, am, I am not a religious person anymore. I do not go to church. I do not frequent a church, but I talk with my God daily. Uh, I, have taught my, I have taught my son about his connection with things and the world around him. And if he should so choose to explore a church option as he grows older, I will gladly explore any church yes. option he chooses. But I will not 
put that upon him. Upon him, yes. Um, so that that's where I stand. But what I do teach him is the doctrine of love. Yes. And the, and the doctrine of you are the one that's in charge here. Yes. You, you are the one that decides what what you expel to other people and, he and feels put out here. Absolutely. What you give yeah. there. Yeah. And it's it's great. And it's a beautiful thing. And thank it you is. so much for carrying on that oh, teaching, yes. Patricia. Um, once again, everybody, make sure to go by climatechangethehealing.com to buy your copy of the book. Uh, while you're online checking that out, make sure to stop on by CuriousRealm.com. We will be adding these books to our Amazon bookstore as well uh, to make sure that we can get the message out more. Uh, you can also download our free app. You can tune in live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. We will be back right after this commercial break with more coverage and interviews here at the IANS, International Association for Near-Death Studies Conference 2022 in Salt Lake City, Utah. We'll be right back after this, folks. With the rise in attention to the health benefits of cannabis and cannabinoids, including CBD, True Hemp Science has become one of the premier providers of full-spectrum CBD and CBD-related products. Using a proprietary spigeric process, True Hemp Science extracts maximum benefit from the whole hemp plant. Buds, leaves, stems, seeds, even roots... Every part of the plant is used and then reused to formulate a rich, complex profile of CBD, CBD derivatives, and terpenes guaranteed to provide the relief and benefits you need daily. Visit TrueHemScience.com to experience the best CBD oils, edibles, and topicals on the market today. And use code CURIOUS7 to save 7% off your entire purchase of $50 or more and get two 25-milligram CBD cookies or brownies free. That website again is TrueHemScience.com and the code is CURIOUS7. Have you considered starting a podcast, looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. 
specializing in one-on-one consultation and training with industry professionals in fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies. Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? Sign up for your Podcast Cadet audit today and let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. From consultational workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages, Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit podcastcadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training and use code CURIOUS20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website again is podcastcadet.com. Curious Realm Podcast is your source for the latest and greatest news and events in the world of the paranormal, esoteric, and forbidden knowledge. And there's no better way to spark the conversation than with items from the Curious Realm store. Choose from fan favorites like hoodies, mouse pads, coffee mugs, and more. Buy books and items from your favorite Curious Realm guests. Get your hands on the latest gear for paranormal investigations and experiments we discuss on the show. Open your web browser and stop on by the Curious Realm store at CuriousRealm.com forward slash store to buy the latest Curious Realm wear and out-of-this-world gifts for yourself, your family, or a mind that you want to open. That website again is CuriousRealm.com forward slash store. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to our continuing coverage of the IANS, International Association for Near-Death Studies Conference here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We are here right now with author, NDE experiencer, and light worker, um, Vincent Todd Tolman. He is the author of The Light After Death, My Journey to Heaven and Back. Now, um, I want to start with, uh, right now, I am... Incredibly emotional and emotionally charged. You just got done doing a uh, what was what was the name so of the so it's called emotion again? emotion code yeah okay kind of a, an emotion code session but uh, um, just a cleansing an yeah. ener- an energetic cleansing of some trapped emotions yeah. I have, I, and I have not um, not been that physically and emotionally moved. In a long, long time, Vincent. Uh, it was a stealing moment for me, and it was. I thank you very much for that. Um, now, let's start getting into uh, number one. Was um, and of course you learned the emotion code, but was were healings and guides something that you always had, or did that come about so, as a result of your NDE? A little bit. Um, I I had I was raised with and uh, quite a different home situation where. Um, 
there's a lot of things going on and without going into a lot of details a lot of things going on that that were building and trapping a lot of emotions in myself mm. you know as i grew up um and and it it made me into a, a a real tough guy by the world standards and yeah. and when i was younger i was very into bodybuilding and clubbing and fighting and um and and actually amateur fighting uh, whether it was boxing or MMA or, or you know, all hands barred type fighting. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that was my universe back then. And, and it was a way for me to channel those dark emotions that I trapped throughout my life. And I learned that if I didn't, if I didn't channel them through fighting or through, you know, clubbing, that kind of thing, yeah. then I'd end up channeling them through, uh, you know, fist fights to someone who cut me off on the street or something. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was not living at a high frequency at all. I was living about as low a frequency as you can get in this realm and this life. And, um, and I, I decided one day that I was going to start cleaning that up. I recognized that it was an issue and I made the, the conscious decision to stop abusing myself and stop, um, abusing those around me with my energy and, and, and decided to start cleaning up my own energy. Mm. And that's when I died. <laughs> wow. And, so and it happened what, right after. And what were the circumstances of your death? So uh, I was taking a weightlifting something. I was uh, doing some amateur bodybuilding with a, a really good friend of mine, and we were both doing it together quite quite regularly. You know, working out almost mm-hmm. every day at the gym. And uh, as we were doing the bodybuilding, we found this new supplement. It was really popular at the time. Um, it was a a muscle recovery supplement that would help your muscles recover twice as quick. Mm. And it was so popular that it was sold out at every store in the United yeah. States, whether it was on the internet or if stores in person, right? So we, we went online and we found this one store that had plenty in stock, but it was in Thailand. So we ordered a bottle of this liquid supplement. You, you take a little bottle cap of it, then go work out. And it would, you know, help your muscle recovery. So yeah, we yeah. buy this supplement. We get it. It's The bottle's all written in Thai, like the Thai language. You can't, we can't understand it. Even though previously I had lived in Thailand, I still couldn't read her the script, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so we took our normal bottle cap worth, and right after we both took it, we instantly knew something was wrong with us. We knew it instantly. Wow. We knew it was toxic. Like, we could feel it hurting our bodies yeah, yeah, yeah. that quick. Because you're, like, you're pretty in tune with yes. your body whenever and, you and, are And my physique was very different like than I was very fit, you know, a lot more extremely fit back then. Um, not, you know, I was all about fitness back then. So um, I took it. We both knew we were feeling sick. We figured, hey, let's head down to a, a fast food joint down the street. We'll get a bite to eat. And that'll help help us feel better that's what we figured you know kind of offset the poisoning Mm -hmm. that we had just happened to have so we got down there and i don't know why it didn't even dawn on us to go to the hospital but you know we were i was 25 he's 24 we thought we were invincible yeah yeah we just go eat some food and we'll be okay yeah we're tough guys right so we go down to that place um as we're almost pulling up there, my buddy who was driving, he was starting to pass out as he was driving. And I was, like, shaking him, freaking out, like, no, wake up. And I, like, like helping his head, like, stay up, right, so we could pull into the parking lot. I'm also swaying as I'm trying to help him. Wow. We could feel, I could feel the toxicity of what was going on. Wow. I could feel myself getting ready to block it, black out. And um, as doing so, I felt my bowels were starting to release on me. And so I, I like ran as fast as my shaky, dizzy body could take me into this restaurant, went in the bathroom and locked the door because there's a little single use bathroom. I go in there, lock the door. I pass out on the ground and I start vomiting. Oh, wow. And so I aspirated right there. I died right there. And my buddy who, you know, took the same supplement, went inside the restaurant, went and collapsed over one of the booths 
and started vomiting right there. The manager of the restaurant sees this. He calls 911. Yeah. They get an ambulance, haul him away, but nobody knew he had a buddy in the bathroom that was locked in there. So uh, about 30, 45 minutes later, um, a customer who's been trying to use the bathroom is like, hey, manager guy, you need to unlock this bathroom. No, it won't. Somebody's been there almost an hour. So the manager goes over and knocks the door, unlocks the door, looks. There's a dead guy on the floor. Yeah. He calls 911. They get a they get a medic team come in. They come. They pronounce the body dead. They they document the body at seventy nine degrees. Wow. They document the wow. body with no heart rate. Um, they and and no no air no oxygen. Okay. So they decide you know what this is dead. They call the police or they radio the police. Police say you know what go ahead and bag the body. It looks they they can tell it's an aspiration. Yeah yeah. So they bag the body. They wait. They strap it to a gurney, a dead body strapping in the body bag, put it in the back of the ambulance, and they wait for a cop to come and sign the paperwork. So they wait for him to come. He's like, you didn't have to wait for me, you know. They're like, yeah, you were down the street. So they, they, but they waited. Yeah. So here I am at minimum, minimum, even if I died right before they opened the door, I'm now dead for almost an hour, about yeah. 45 minutes to an hour. Wow. Um, and again, I was most likely dead about 45 minutes at least before yeah. that. So now we're definitely way closing beyond the in, point of oxygen deprivation. Yeah, closing in on two hours. Brain dead, things Definitely like closing in on two hours in the body, you know, dead. And one hour, almost an hour in the body bag. Finally, I'm bagged up. Cop signs his paperwork, gives the medics their form. Um, they say, okay, we're going to go turn the body into the medical examiner mm-hmm. at, at some other uh, location. Go fill out some toe yeah. tags. And- so they... they Take the body. They go down the street. They start heading heading down. And at this point, you know, um, when the body was still in the bathroom, right as the the medics and everybody were discovering everything, right before that, I where I was, I all of a sudden woke up like I had fallen asleep in a movie theater. And I woke up in this movie theater and I was watching a a weird movie on the screen where they're shooting the movie from the ceiling down. And and previously I used to work in TV, and and I'm like that's that, you know that's, that's a weird angle. that's a very, very weird angle for a DP or a director of ph- photography to to angle straight down. I'm like oh he's, he's shooting for some type of fancy yeah, you know yeah. award for cinematics or whatever. And I literally had these thoughts like like that's a, that's an odd angle, but there was no possibility that that was me because me was up here watching this like scene unfold in front of me. And I just felt like I was sitting in a comfortable seat, you know, viewing it from the outside. So I'm watching all this happen. I watch them take the body, you know, away from the scene. They're waiting for the cop. I see that happen. They're pulling away from the scene. I see that happen. All of a sudden, as they've pulled away from the scene, the the medic is a three-medic team. So two veteran medics in the front of the ambulance. And there was one brand new medic, one newbie, a, a, a greenhorn, you know, a rookie. This rookie medic was sitting in the back of the ambulance. And he all of a sudden had this glow start to form around him. This glow, like, was forming around him. And, and it started from, from about the, the, like, stomach area and went up to about the top chest area. And it just started to glow around him. And, and where I was sitting, I felt this force, like, come over me and this, like, velocity go and, and, and like, hit him and a loud voice say, this one's not dead. Literally said wow. just one time. And this was this in the one's movie not that dead. you were watching. In the movie I was watching. Yeah. But it felt interactive because here I was watching this movie, mm. but I felt the force of this energy go over my shoulder, specifically my left shoulder, boom, down to where he was, and the glow, and then this one's not dead, all in, in a matter of a second, right? Wow. And 
the medic heard it. The rookie met, he heard it. He was looking around. He thought maybe that his 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 trainer medics were were like making fun of him and yeah, yeah. trying to play a trick on him. Sure. Then he realized he's like, no, I don't think so. He, he, then I could actually hear his thoughts saying, I think I probably imagined it. He really thought that. He's like, I think I probably imagined yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, uh, nothing happens from there. We go about another block down the street, and all of a sudden the glow goes fr- not just from the stomach area to the chest area. It goes down to about the hip area and expands up to above the head, and it's literally glowing all around from wow. the hip, like from the, the halfway mark of the hips to above the head. It's literally glowing all around him, and then now this force happens a second time over my left shoulder, and it's, it's, like, it's like 10 times stronger the second time. It hits him, and, and I, f- I hear this loud voice this time, a lot louder than the first time. This one's not dead. And then silence. Wow. And that was enough for that medic that he, he began to take action. He's like, he knew, he knew without a shadow of a doubt now the second time that, that this was a message from beyond. He, he took the face step to start working on this dead, cold, stiff body. Very cold. Very cold. At this point. I mean, already recorded almost yeah, yeah, an hour yeah. ago at 79 yeah. degrees. Yeah, like almost 20, almost 20 degrees below where you should be. As yeah, an and, and again, human. that was again an, almost an hour ago. So yeah. it was probably even colder then. Yeah. Unzip the body bag, unzips it, starts feeling all over the neck area for a pulse. Mm. Of course, there's none. He feels under the cold, stiff arm yep. for a pulse. There's none. And he, he feels this like this pull, this 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 pulling, to check the 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 primary area for a pulse, which mm-hmm. is in the groin area, yeah. I guess. So yeah, yeah. he's feeling in the femoral inside, artery. yeah, femoral artery. So he's feeling that for the femoral artery. Mm-hmm. He goes to the to the the inside thigh area. He's pushing through the flesh, and it's actually really stiff. Yeah. So he's pushing through that, and it's like pushing the flesh left and right as he's pushing. He's kind of like needling his hand in there, and then it touches the femur bone. When it makes contact with the femur bone through my skin, you, it was like somebody shocked me with, with like a car battery or with like a, a, volt, a high voltage shock. I felt it up here where I was watching. Wow. And he felt it down there when he made that contact with the bone, the actual bone in the, in the leg. He felt it too. That was enough for him. It wasn't a pulse, but it was something. And it was not normal. So to him... That was enough. Yeah. So he went ahead and, and frantically began the resuscitation process. So that meant literally cutting open the body bag, yeah. from cutting it open, undoing more straps on the body so he could get in there and work, yep. hooking up all these diodes around the chest, and the alarm going off on the, on the defibrillator machine, the shocking machine, mm-hmm. right? The alarm starts to go off. Then the two veteran medics look back. They're like, what the what hell are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to get fired. You can't do this. You're, like, you're, he's you're, dead. you're desiccating you're a, a body. Yeah, you're, yeah. It's a dead corpse. You can't do this. You're going to get fired. This is your first week of, of and you're going to get oh fired. God. And he doesn't listen. He shocks the body. Nothing. No heartbeat. And then he goes ahead and, and restarts the charge. The alarms are going off. Now the, the medic, who's the veteran, who's in the passenger seat, he undoes his seatbelt. He's getting around. He's getting around to stop this, this yeah, yeah. rookie guy from doing this. As he's coming around the seat, it shocks a second time and a single heartbeat, then flatline. But the fact that there was a single, single heartbeat, heartbeat, it made the medic who was coming around the seat stop and like freeze. 
and he waited for the third round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the alarm the, went off, the boop, boop. and a third round of shocks hit, and it was like nothing. And then all of a sudden, boop, 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 boop. And it was very faint and very low, very slow heart rate, but it was a heart rate, and it was, wow. and it was consistent. And it was cool because the, the, the medic who was driving at this point he went from the stage of, you're an idiot, stop this, you're, you're going to lose your job, you're going to make us lose our jobs. And as he's going through that, he hears the steady heartbeat starting, and he instantly goes into action. He grabs the radio, and, he's, and he radioed ahead to a hospital. Yes. That so, so our mirac- code call has changed yeah. for what we're coming yeah. in for. So what's really neat is the, <laughs> Get mir- rid of the, mortuary, the, bring the, the miraculous ER. part of this whole thing is all of this restart of the heart happened. One and a half blocks from a hospital. Wow. So the heart started, and then within literally seconds, there was a trauma team there ready to, to receive meet the body. You. Yeah. So wow. still to me, though, I, even though I'm having this interactive experience, I felt the shock. I heard the voice twice. I'm still thinking, this is interesting. I wonder yeah. how they did that voice thing. I wonder how this how thing did, ends. This must be like a 4D movie theater. Yeah, like, yeah. I was such an idiot. Looking I, for smell. I had no idea that that was me <laughs> down there. I still didn't because wow. me was up here watching, right? Yeah. So they, they, they transfer the body from the ambulance. They're still cutting off body bag and it's dropping no. off and stuff. Pieces of it dropping everywhere. Um, and, and uh, you know, I have a, a piece in one of my books somewhere in my library that, that, that was in, in my articles of clothing I got from the hospital. So I have a piece of this little body bag there. Oh, wow. And, and, you know, they're transferring the body over. They put it in the hospital bed. Well, this body went through hell already. It, it yeah. died and was coming back. So the, the body was freaking out. It was going into to shivers and convulsions and seizures. Yeah. So the body was like going through blood going toxicity all sorts of and different all kinds things, of things. And it was foaming out of the mouth. Uh, there was just really funky, weird stuff going on with the body. So they had to start strapping the body down to work on it, right? Yeah. And this is still, just as they're bringing the body into the hospital, they're trying to strap it down with these straps. This nurse gets the legs done. She gets the right arm done. And as she goes to strap the left arm, I'm left-handed. I feel her pulling that left arm down. And where I'm sitting up here in the, the movie theater, I look down at my left arm, and I realize that my left arm is down there. That was the first moment I wow. realized that everything I've been watching now, was my own body. Had you, had you been able to see your face yeah. or anything like that? Yeah, it, but, but it, it didn't, didn't look it like didn't, me. It didn't cue It in. actually didn't look like me. Wow. So the way that I aspirated and the way that my body reacted mm. to those toxins, my neck swelled up wider than yes. my head, wider than my jaw. It looked like some character off of He-Man or something. Yeah. Like purple face, wide neck. Now, mm. other than the clothes, but again, me was up here. Yeah. So I didn't even think like, oh, he's wearing Oh, what clothes. am I wearing today? No, I didn't even yeah. think that. What I was just I thought, well, I, I was just like, interesting movie. I'm up here watching it, you know? Yeah. What's going on down there must be something else. It's the movie. Yeah. So again, um, as she strapped that left arm, I felt myself pulling against it. And I felt myself pulling so much that I watched the, the strap break. So the strap that she had used was like a lighter canvas strap. I broke it. And she came back with a leg strap and, like, strapped it down. And as she strapped it down, you could see the body, like, pulling against her. And it forced the arm down. It was, I felt this, like, gravity of the situation hit me that you've been dead this whole time, dumbass. Wow. I felt it so strong. And all of a sudden, my experience moved from the theater, just almost like the lights went out on the theater. And now I was in this dark, dark space. And I, could, I was experiencing 
and, and going through my mind all the bad and horrible things I ever did in my life. Mm. And it happened in a second. I don't necessarily call it a life review because I was only seeing the bad side of things. Yeah. But I was seeing all the, that I was such an idiot. How could I be so stupid to not know that that was my body and I was dead? And it felt like I was going to have my light put out of me. Like I felt like my whole being was going to be just distinguished and not existing anymore. That's what it felt like. The, the fear was so squishing. It felt like it was going to squish me out of existence. Wow. And out of nowhere, I feel this warm sensation start behind me at about the area of like the middle of my back. I feel just this warmth and it started spreading and it spread around to like the, the head, the shoulders, and it started spreading down to where the legs would be. And I felt it. It was just this warming. It, it's weird because it was cooling, but warming mm. at the same time. It was peaceful, but warming. Yeah. And it was warming, warming me out of that fear spot. And as it started to overtake me, I now all of a sudden started seeing the effect I had in good ways on people my whole life. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I was affecting people with decisions and, and reactions and influences in ways I had no idea. Like, yeah. like three, four, five generations away from, from me, I was affecting people. And it mm. showed me that, that I wasn't a lost cause and that, that there was a lot of light in me and I had a lot of light ahead of me. And, and I started to, to finally believe that I was worth saving and that's when I realized that all of this warmth and light was coming from behind me. I needed to turn to embrace it. And so I did. I turned away from that scene, the dark theater, the, mm. the movie screen. I turned away from there. I turned behind me, and I see this man all dressed in white. He's like this, got this pink skin, kind of like Santa Claus would have, right? Mm. Like really pink rosy. skin. Really rosy skin. But unlike Santa Claus, it glistened like, like beach sand in the sun. Like his skin glistened, like every little speck glistened and like light was coming out of him. He had a, a really long white beard. He had um, kind of shoulder length white hair and was wearing a, a white robe. And underneath the white robe was like kind of a white looking suit. And I just feel this, this unconditional love coming from him. And, and I don't understand it because I don't know this, this man. I don't know him. And I, I automatically think, oh, you must be God. And just me thinking that, he started to chuckle in a loving way, in a non-judgmental way, and said, no, son, I'm not God. And, and so my instant reaction thought is, you must be Jesus then. I was raised Christian, so that's what I believed, sure, sure. right? And, and then he really started to get a laugh, and he's like, no, son, I'm not Jesus. And again, in a loving way, not a judgment way. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, then who are you? And he said, well, my name is Drake, and you can call me Drake, but I'm here to be your guide to help you go where you want to go. I can help you go back to where you just came from, or I can help you go where I just came from. And I, I, I was presented before wow. me the option, go back to this pain, this, yeah. this, what you know. this convulsion, and the vomiting, norm. all the hard things that I just watched. I could go back to that hell, or I could go to this, this loving space that whatever is coming off of him, it was just so much love, love that I didn't deserve. Yeah, I know for a fact I didn't deserve that love, but it just it, it it was all permeating, and there was no way to stop it. I couldn't stop that love. It it cleansed me. It flushed out all the dark spots and and voids that my hard life, my abused life, had put in me, 
they were all gone instantly yeah. with that love. And so I, it was a no-brainer, man. It was a no-brainer. It would, it, would, it would be like being raised in solitary confinement with handcuffs and blinders on. And all of a sudden, one day, somebody says, let's go to Disneyland. And then they yeah. say, okay, now let's get you back in the cage. Like, no, why? I've experienced there, Disneyland There's no now. possibility, yeah. right? So, so I, I instantly um, thought, no, I'm not going back. That's not a possibility. I'm going with you. Wherever you're going, that's way better than the, that where I came from. So I said, okay. He said, we're going to go on this journey. But it's not a journey of, of just from distance to distance. It's a, from, from distance of low frequency to another destination of high frequency. So not only do we need to move physically from point to point, but we have to move from low frequency or low density to high frequency or high density um, uh, through the ethereal mm. network or through, through the, 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 the universe um, using yeah. the ethereal network or the, the love network of God or creator. And so I was like, okay, I, I'm down. And he, and he said that, you know, to do this, you're going to have to be willing to accept certain principles. I don't have to fully embrace them. I only had to be willing to accept that they were possible. Yeah. And as long as I could accept that they were possible and not um, judge them as not possible, then I could continue my progress. So, so for three long days, while my body was brain dead, I was brain dead in a coma. Wow. Um, uh, and truly uh, on full life support. And we have, that, we have one of my life support photos on the back of the book. Yep. Um, while my body was going through that process, I was on my journey to heaven. And I learned very, uh, very important, distinct, fundamental principles for us in this life. Uh, ten of them. As I was going through my progression. And able to have this, this constant like discussion with my guide, Drake. And it was really a beautiful experience. And... Um, absolutely life-changing for me i came back when i did come back a completely different person yeah completely different and I, I affirm and admit and fully own the fact that i was a jackass before and i was not a nice person in in certain ways i was a nice person but in other ways i was definitely not i yeah. was a i was a victim uh growing up and and started because you know creating victims so the way that some people who are fighters and punchers and always getting in trouble do yeah. and that was yeah. me and uh, I came back a different person. So, uh, you know, it's really cool. I, I, I put it in our, our book. Later on, I figured out who my guide was. I had a confirmation moment. Mm. Uh, figured out who he was. Turns out he was my great, great, great grandfather on my grandmother's side. And the way we found out, we ended up at this, this little, little uh, town in Wyoming, watching the, the town high school do a presentation on the founders of the town. And he was one of the founders. So up comes his picture on the big screen uh, in the high school. And, and my wife, uh, she looks at it and she's like, that's your guide. Because I'd been describing him for months to her. Yeah. And, and, she, and I, I, I was kind of not paying attention. I turned and looked and I was like... Oh, I couldn't even speak. I, I knew it was my guide. I knew it was yeah. my guide. It felt like somebody took uh, cold, icy water and just poured it down my spine. I was frozen. And later on, I had more confirmations that, that he was my guide. And, and, and I've since really learned to connect to him on a regular basis. And he's still to this day my guide. And he helps a lot of people when I need extra help for, like, you know, what we were doing earlier. Uh, uh, when we were doing the, doing the emotion code. Yeah. He's one of my helpers that he'll come in and, 
and you know we wanted to connect to whatever trapped emotion was there well, and we wanted to release it he's helping me see things understand things and and learn the modality of, I'm glad of releasing our grandfathers that. got to hang out they did <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty freaking awesome over yeah, here at ions you know it, it was great um and and let's get into that real quick and and part of the work that you're doing now not only with, with yeah, this, not just the book. The book, it's kind of a movement that we're doing with the book. Yeah. Um, uh, we have a website called Living God's Light. Yep. And what we're doing is we're trying to help people discover and confirm and connect to their own light, to their own higher self. And uh, we were an, an unaffiliated organization with any re- specific religion. And we do it specifically for the reason that you can input yourself into our network from any religion. And we want to help you connect to your creator, your source, yeah. in, in whatever form works for you. Yeah. And, and we, allow, we, we, we teach people how to discover truths from the inside. Because the holiest temple on earth is right here between your two temples. That's the holiest of holies. That's, that's, that's you know, King Solomon's temple is right yeah. here between your two temples. That's the holiest place on earth. And what goes on in there can either be heaven or hell. It's our choice. It's our choice because yeah. we're the builder of this temple, of what goes on in there. And we, we try to help people learn ways and techniques of, of really connecting to the light, connecting to their divine source. Yeah. Um, even people uh, who believe that there is no God, we, yeah. help, we help them connect to the universe. Yeah. And, and it, that's acceptable I, to them. And it's really awesome because we're able to take them and help them understand that the universe, and, and that's what's really neat about God. God doesn't care what you call him. It really or doesn't. Her, or I mean, uh, him, her, whatever. It Here's the funny a, thing. is God tree or the dog next God door. Is, God is so much bigger than the singularity of a, of a male or female sex. Yeah. Um, God is so much bigger. God is the universe. God is all-encompassing. He is the Allah, the everything in the universe. That is God. And, and it's amazing how much God loves us, that God doesn't care what we call God. As long as we connect to God or universe, whatever we want to call him, yeah. whatever we feel comfortable calling God, God wants to connect to us. Divine light wants to connect to us. Yeah. And it wants to help guide us, especially in our daily life. And one of the enemies to our light, the one of the enemies to source, to creator, is unfortunately technology, our phones. We spend a lot of time, and what happens is our temples are empty. Yeah. And if we constantly are, are grabbing our, our media and we're like this, what's happening is we're allowing that, that, that energy, whether it's good or bad, fill up the temple. Yeah. And it's very, very important that we understand the principle that we, with our intention and with our distinct choices, we get to create in here. And, yeah. and you know, to follow that through to the session that we had a while ago, I had a very good friend of mine for many years. I still a good friend of mine, my old drummer from my Grateful Dead band, Wavy Dave. Um, he turned me on to the phrase, don't let it rent the spare space in your head. Exactly. Um, and that was, that was one of the most simplistic ways. And it rings to me every mm-hmm. single time that something happens or I try to put blame on myself about something. Like, don't let it rent the spare space, dude. Yeah. There's 85 other things that you have to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. 85 other yeah. people that need help in the world right now other than you. Yeah. Um, move forward, move past it. And so much of... Like what you were saying, what blocks us um, and shades us from this light is structure that we have built. Yep. And, 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 and even structure that we, I guess, within our ego, uh, think that we have to build. Yeah. You know, kind, kind of like when, when you released me, 
um, and relinquished me from the responsibility of my grandfather's death. Yeah. Um, that was a big moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's really funny. Sometimes we hold on to our trauma. We hold on to those trapped emotions because yeah. we think in some Starting way if we don't. Again. <laughs> Excuse me. You're good, Chris. You're good, man. <laughs> you know what's beautiful about this? You're connecting to the love of your grandfather. Yeah. I mean, and that love is larger than life. And, and it's he, larger than this physical existence here. And we were able to connect to that love and help you release some trapped emotions yeah. that you were holding on to like a badge of honor. Yeah. But a victim badge of honor. He, I, I and Daldrum didn't want you to hold on to that yeah. victim badge of honor. He wanted you to become like him, a strong, divine masculine. Yeah. Because that's what he was for you. Yeah. He was your divine masculine. He was Absolutely. your foundation. He was your footing of existence. And when, when he died, your footing crumbled. But here's what's really neat is releasing that emotion for you. We, we peel away that old foundation that was crumbled, and what do we see? We see a new foundation. Yeah. And what's the name on that foundation, Chris? Chris. 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 Yeah. It's mine. You're, and, you're that new foundation. Yeah. And, and your divine masculine is Daldrum, your grandfather's yeah. foundation, fundamental foundation that it was for you, that foundation that kept you strong. Yeah. You are now that for the future. Yeah. For your own future. Yeah. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, how often during your work with people like that, um, just the point of reluctancy to release come up? Because there, there were even a couple times um, where, where I will be honest, I tried to fight the pull. You did, huh? And you know, I had a helper though. You yeah. know, I had a helper. Oh yeah, no, no. And I was I, using I my helper. It. I felt it too. I felt, and it was your mind. It was mostly your mind. Yeah. So, so to give a little explanation to whoever's watching this, so we are spiritual beings, and this is again something I learned in my experience. We are all spiritual beings, eternal spiritual beings, living forever before this, forever after this. We're having a, a physical experience, so we are we're a two energy uh, reflection. We are higher self or spirits living in a physical body. So there's an aspect or ego to the physical body. There's an aspect to the higher self or soul. So there's two voices within us. And then the mind, like I was telling you, the mind, the mind of the, of the human is the referee and has its own voice. Mm. So we have three distinct energies. And when I, I do the emotion code, that's something that I personally have done with the way I do emotion code is I talk to all three. Because sometimes when there's anxiety, especially daily anxiety, it's because there's three yelling voices and they're not saying the same thing. So it's causing dysfunction in the body. So if we can talk to each of the three voices, talk to the ego, physical body, talk to the mind, the referee, talk to the higher self, soul, and get the conversation going to understand why they're not synchronizing and why they're syncopating. Why are they not congruent? Why are they fighting each other? And get that conversation going so that you can get them in alignment. And once they're in alignment, the universe is yours. Yeah. You can fill your own temple. And when you can get in, and that's what we did today. Yeah, yeah. We're allowing you now to and, go forward filling your own temple. And it's hard to fill anybody else's yeah. cup when your cup's half it full. Is. And it's not something I do all the time. It's, it's something I do here and there in very special situations and, and, and usually only for really close friends. So, um, but, you know, I had a spirit friend here today that he was, he was pretty much making us do it today. And, and we know who that is. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. And um, a truly life-stealing moment for me um, to, to have that change happen so viscerally just before we came on air yeah. over here. And now, 
how often do you get these feelings? Um, how often do you so I speak, hear from your guide? I speak to spirit. I, I listen to my guides every day. Uh, in the beginning, I thought I was crazy. Mm. I had a, somebody tell me that, yeah, you're delusional. And then I brought forth a message for that very person. And he said, get the F out of here. <laughs> and it was something that... <laughs> now even, you're a witch. Yeah, exactly. I, and I looked really scary to him because I brought, I brought forth sure. a message that he had forgotten a trauma and that he had himself blocked mm. from childhood. And I didn't bring that out. His grandmother did. His grandmother's like, she's, he, she's telling me that he's going to try to write me a prescription so I don't hear voices anymore and that kind of thing. And, mm. and so uh, as he was literally filling out the prescription... Um, she said, hey, you need to tell him this. So after she told me twice, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So I told him that, and he said, get the F out of here. And uh, a few minutes later, I'm driving down the street. I don't know what's going on. I get a phone call from his cell phone, and he says, hey, Vinny, I, I know that, that you're not delusional. Whatever you're experiencing is real. I don't understand it because school doesn't teach you about that. Yeah. But it is real because what you told me, I had completely forgotten. And he said, I've never even his own wife, his own mm. kids, he had never told anybody those things. Yeah. And, and he said, you know what? He said that happened for a reason so that you don't go on this wrong path thinking that you're crazy. And, you know, months later, I saw my guide at, the, at yeah, this yeah. presentation of that town in, in Wyoming. Uh, there's been so many confirmations since. And just like uh, hanging out with Daldrin today, we, you know, I, a lot of times I, the spirit shows up two or three days before it's time to do some work. Mm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that's how it happens. Wow. Because the spirits, they know all this stuff. Yeah. They know all this stuff. And you know what's really neat? We can, you know, learning to connect with our own higher self, learning to have that conversation. You can use the sway test, the muscle test, ring test. There's a lot of ways to do it. But learning learning to how to have that conversation is really important because in the third dimension, low-frequency existence that we live, we can have that conversation without talking to spirit. Yeah. And it's just talking to yourself, talking to your higher version, your higher self, your soul, your conscience, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Uh, people call it your subconscious. Uh, it's the same thing. Yeah. Your soul is your subconscious. Your, your higher self is your soul and your subconscious. And the mind is the, the referee, the, the one who plays between. And, and then the, there's the ego, the physical body. And ego is an acronym for edging God out. Because Ooh. edging God out allows the physical world to control you. And that's what our phones are really good. And it's, yeah. it's kind of funny. What comes out on Instagram? What comes out on Facebook? On Twister? Or Twitter? Twister? On Twitter? <laughs> it's ego. Yeah. So much of this is ego. So many people are posting things on these, these social medias like their life is perfect. And then they go into their darkness, yeah. and they're and they're depressed, and they hate their spouses, they hate their life. You know, even the turn of phrase used in association with Twitter, with many people that I know that use it rampantly, yeah, um, because they can scream into the void. Yep, and it's like now, if you feel the need to scream into the void, yeah. You should, you should explore that some. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because there was definitely, and we had a conversation earlier today um, when I apologized to you for missing our yeah. uh, episode record yesterday. But we knew it happened for a reason. I, I ended yeah. up falling ill yesterday. Um, and it took me a long time after the seminary to release, to understand yeah. that the things that happened to me were supposed to happen to me. Yeah. Um, that there was a method behind their madness. Yep. 
um, and to forgive literally the institution of the seminary. Yeah. And to understand that that was my experience. Yeah. I alone had that experience, yep. and that was for me and alone. just for you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it took a long time, and, and my life was definitely discombobulated until, yeah. like, I, I suffered addiction, all kinds of things, because I, I much like um, holding on to my grandfather yep. uh, out, of, out of some sort of, I guess, reluctant responsibility... Yeah, to hold here's on your to ba- it. The, the the sorrow of losing him was your badge of honor. Yeah, and here's the reason why: feeling that loss also helped you feel alive at mm-hmm. a time where you didn't feel alive. So for a long time, holding on to that suffering served that purpose for you. Well, but by now, it's time to release it, and you felt yeah. it. You felt it for a long time. Yeah, and to be here to have Daldrum setting it all up for you. Yeah. Um, and making that happen, it's just awesome. It really is. Yeah. And if there's anything I can pull away and, and show people from my experience, it's the fact that if you were able to somehow look behind the curtain of this existence, you would only see unconditional love. And you would see that this whole universe is built out of that love. And that you would see, if you were to take a, a ribbon and attach it to Earth... And, and, and take the other end of that ribbon and put it on the satellite that we sent back out in the late 70s. I think it's Voyager 1 mm. or Voyager 2. Yes. Um, it, it, that satellite just recently um, exited the solar system and went past Pluto, yeah. which is a planet. That one's for you, Craig, if you watch this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Still in my astronomy textbook as a planet. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> right? It is in mine, too. So, uh, so that, that ribbon going all the way from the Earth out to where that satellite mm. is right now, to the to Voyager 1 or 2, whatever yeah. it is. Um, take that ribbon. And this is a, something you can look up, okay? Take that ribbon. It's so long, you can reel that ribbon back, Okay. You can wrap it all the way around the earth so many times you can cover the entire earth. There's still enough left. You can roll it out to the moon, completely cover the moon, and you can reel it out and come back to the earth and do about another quarter of the earth. That's how long of a distance it is to where that, that, that explorer is right now. Okay. Now let's, let's stretch that ribbon back out. It's, it's on explorer. It's on earth. Okay. I want you to take a single grain of sand. I want you to go to the middle of that ribbon and drop it on the middle of that ribbon. And that's our existence here. Yeah. And that ribbon, it's not truly as long as our real existence because our, lo- our real existence is eternal. Yeah. But it's a good emblem or, or effigy of that existence. We yeah. are eternal. We are like that ribbon. We go forever forward, forever yeah. back. Our physical that, being is just the grain of sand. That little grain of sand is our existence here. So now, now remember this. That ribbon is built out of love. That ribbon is built out of light. This grain of sand, this tiny little moment, is an opportunity for us to learn how to make choices and to create. And why? Because we asked for it. We, every single one of us asked for it. Even us who, who had a really hard life and will have a hard life. We asked for this so we could have agency. So we could learn what it was like to make our own choices. Because here's the funny thing. When we're up next to our creator, that space is so full of love. 
whatever we want is exactly what already God wants. Yeah. We don't have so much free thought there because we can't. We're so permeated by that love. We can't have free agency and free thought. So how do we have it? We have to go away from God to this physical existence here, to this low dimensional existence called the third dimension slash fourth dimension. Sure. We come and exist here, or at least we lend a piece of ourselves to exist here so that we can experience things and learn how to make our own choices. That's all it's about. Yeah. We're not here to pass or fail. We're not. Yeah. We're not here to put labels on other people, to judge other people, even though that's what these would teach you that we're supposed to do. Sure. These will also teach you that you're supposed to be a perpetual victim, that everything is against you, yeah. that everybody oppresses you and hates you. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you are against the light, if you are against the progress of love, you want to convince everyone that you're a victim. You want to convince yourself that you're a victim. Yeah. And so understand those forces that are out there. The love force, the victim force, the love force, the hate force. One is the God force. And anything that makes you feel those other feelings are the opposite of God or universe, whatever yeah. you want to call. And but I'm telling you, when you can discover that life force and really embody it here, the universe is yours. Yeah. When you control what's in your temple... Yeah, the universe is yours. Absolutely, and that's what Living God's Light does: is it helps you learn. So, that's essentially we're building the network to help train and teach people how to build the light, how to build the light, and yeah. and and they don't have to, but at least gives them the tools to learn how to build the light, so they can fill their own temple. That's right. That's yeah. right. And I mean, we we talk about that on this show regularly. The fact that, um, and it's it's come about a lot since the release of the movie The Secret, you know, the concept yes. of manifestation. Yeah, a lot of attraction. Th- things yeah. like that. Um, and, and yeah, you know, when, when you are stuck in a negative modality, things tend to turn out negative. They do. Um, and you really do, it takes a conscious shift. Uh, the one thing that I've mentioned a couple times with folks, um, especially with the word love, is love is not an accident. You no. do not fall in love. That doesn't happen. You have chosen yep. to love somebody. Love is a choice. And that's a beautiful thing. Love is a choice. Love is a doorway. Love is a gateway. Love is a force. Love is a light. Best four-letter word there is. Love is a realm. Love is an existence. And love is a state of being. Wow. We get to choose it. Yeah. It's our choice. That's why we're here, so we can choose. So we can make choices. That's yeah. why we're here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Vincent, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Uh, during this very busy yes. IANS conference. You guys have been stacked over there in that corner. Yeah, having um, fun. Having fun here. And you know what's funny? You, you love the Grateful Dead. Um, I do. I think that the International Association of Near-Death Studies is a group full of Grateful Dead. Because a lot of us have died. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So we're the Grateful Dead and, of and, modern and, day. And, and, and go, go and actually look up. The uh, I have a I have a great book that a friend of mine gave me many many years ago that was a bunch of uh, uh, like Grateful Dead philosophy and things like that. Oh, but cool. one of the whole chapters went into the actual Egyptian uh, concept of the Grateful Dead, yeah, and where they pulled their name from, and it, it is That's exactly cool. that. It is exact, exactly I'll that. that. Those, I'll seek out that. Those who yeah. are happy to have moved on to the other side yeah. and to moved on to another 
literal plane of understanding. Yeah, uh, and that's actually something that if you're not here in this conference, you're not going to see it, but a, a mantra, a commonality between all of us experiencers, us that have had the experience of having a near-death experience, or for me, I had an after-death experience, hmm. so I have an ADE. Now, for all of us that have had an, an NDE, ADE, near-death experience, or, or spiritually transformative experience, they call those STEs, um, all of us, you find this uniform energy between all of us, that it's all about this, this I would say, 99.9% of us, that we are so happy and grateful to be alive, but more so, we're so grateful to eventually go back. Mm. We're so excited to go back. Yeah. I'm so excited to go back one day. I'm not going to go parachuting without a, a parachute, but I, hey, I am excited one day when it comes. I don't fear it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I'm so excited to go back and see Drake physically in person, not just through my mind's eye yeah. or through my spirit eye, um, and to, to actually go up and embrace my creator, my source, my God. Uh, who who absolutely unconditionally loves me, even though I don't deserve it, still yeah. does. Doesn't matter because yeah. the system is built out of love, and it's not a, again, it's not a pass or fail system. It's a system built out of love for us to help us grow and learn agency and learn creation, the power of creation. That's why a lot of people say the most divine force on earth is the the ability to recreate or procreate. And, and they're, they're correct, but I don't mean just in the form of having a child, because for me to even document my, my story in the book, this is my child, yeah. but I also have children. So I, I, I procreated with my children, but procreated with my book too. And, and, um, we have that, that option here to learn the power of creation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Chris. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Before we let you go, let everybody out there know where they can go to get their copy of yes, The Light so. After Death and where they can go to uh, sign up for things with Living God's Light, everything yes. else. So you can actually just go to Living God's Light for everything. You can buy the book there. You can do everything there. Um, so that's the best website is livinggodslight.com. Again, that's livinggodslight.com. You can go directly to the book website, which is thelightafterdeath.com. Thelightafterdeath.com. Make sure you put the the in there. So thelightafterdeath.com. Yeah. Wow. It will be on Amazon soon. We've, uh, we're almost sold out of our, our first print. We will be doing our second edition on Amazon, and it will be out on Audible in the next week or so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Glad to hear that. I want to have you on again and again and again to try to get the message of yeah. livinggodslight.com out awesome. there. I think that what you guys are doing is fantastically and extraordinarily needed in our world right now. Um, we need to get past paradigms. Well, every time I come on, let's do a little uh, motion code. Let's do it. Yeah, it'll let's be do fun. It. I'm yeah. down with the that. The good man. thing about emotions and, and the complexity of who we are is we tend to... Changes every day. It uh, changes every day. And That's sometimes it. we put some more emotions in there. Yeah. So, and it's never the same spots, though. So once we clear those certain emotions, uh, those spots were good, but there's yeah. other spots. We're very complex. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot we could do. Well, awesome. Absolutely. Thank Once you so again, much, Thank you so much. Thank wow. you. Thank you for your light, man. Oh. And thank you for your work. Thank you for, for being a voice out in the void, um, a voice of reason, a voice of interest, a voice of curiosity. And I, I really appreciate your playful spirit because that's, that's the safe space to create is yeah. with the playful energy, uh, with, a, with the simple intention. Yeah. We can do a lot. Yeah. Exactly. A lot. Exactly. While you are online, checking out everything from Vincent Dodd Tolman and The Light After Death as well as livinggodslight.com make sure to stop on by curiousrealm.com 
That is where you can find all of our episodes. That's where you can listen live every week. Uh, we are available on probably about 50 platforms now. So literally Google uh, Curious Realm, and I guarantee you, you will find us and our content. Uh, we will also be, as soon as your book is added to the Amazon store, uh, we will be adding that to our bookstore on Perfect. our website as well. Awesome. Um, Perfect. And, yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. Continue to tune in. Uh, we will have more coverage from this incredible IANS International Association of Near-Death Studies Conference here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, we'll be right back after this. With the rise in attention to the health benefits of cannabis and cannabinoids, including CBD, True Hemp Science has become one of the premier providers of full-spectrum CBD and CBD-related products. Using a proprietary spagyric process, True Hemp Science extracts maximum benefit from the whole hemp plant. Buds, leaves, stems, seeds, even roots... Every part of the plant is used and then reused to formulate a rich, complex profile of CBD, CBD derivatives, and terpenes guaranteed to provide the relief and benefits you need daily. Visit TrueHemScience.com to experience the best CBD oils, edibles, and topicals on the market today. And use code CURIOUS7 to save 7% off your entire purchase of $50 or more and get two 25mg CBD cookies or brownies free. That website again is TrueHemScience.com and the code is CURIOUS7. Curious Realm Podcast is your source for the latest and greatest news and events in the world of the paranormal, esoteric, and forbidden knowledge. And there's no better way to spark the conversation than with items from the Curious Realm store. Choose from fan favorites like hoodies, mouse pads, coffee mugs, and more. Buy books and items from your favorite Curious Realm guests. Get your hands on the latest gear for paranormal investigations and experiments we discuss on the show. Open your web browser and stop on by the Curious Realm store at CuriousRealm.com forward slash store to buy the latest Curious Realm wear and out-of-this-world gifts for yourself, your family, or a mind that you want to open. That website again is CuriousRealm.com forward slash store. Have you considered starting a podcast? 
Looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. Specializing in one-on-one consultation and training with industry professionals in fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies, Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? Sign up for your Podcast Cadet audit today. And let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. From consultational workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages, Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit podcastcadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training and use code CURIOUS20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website, again, is podcastcadet.com. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to our now end of our coverage of the IAN's International Association for Near-Death Studies Conference here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We have the extreme pleasure of sitting down to talk with Dr. Pamela Gurali about her work on the dance of ego and essence, as well as her meditation kits and a new book, Higher Tea, The Essence of Joy. Um, I had a chance yesterday, or not yesterday, um, the, the altitude took me out yesterday, <laughs> um, but the day before to have a healing session with you. And to, to, it was very interesting. It was different than most um, sessions that I've been in with somebody. And it was, it was very interesting to me the way that you spoke to me in, in first person. Yes. Um, how did you come about that gift? Pamela. Well, I've received many gifts for which I am so grateful, and that's why I'm here and what I share with the world. But the healing gift of that is an intuitive healing uh, came to me almost in a divine download where I just received this beautiful gift. I felt it just flow through my body and almost uh, wake up every aspect of my body. Mm. To the point where I knew exactly what every motion, position, aspect of the body means and represents and the symbolism of, of what happens. And since I receive a lot of information through my body when I'm doing my intuitive work, mm. uh, I go into motion. And so I almost like act out uh, yeah. what I see. But since we are one... And I become like a mirror with your higher self sharing with you what you um, need to focus on, remember, uh, learn. Then that's why I speak in first person. Yeah. And it, it was very impactful for me. Um, I was actively moved to give you a stone yes. through, through it. Um, it's pretty rare that I I see a stone directly in front of somebody. Yes, that was beautiful. Um, but I did, and I brought it over to you. And it was <laughs> it was a moment for me during our session um, where you started validating a lot of things that other people have told me, and not just other people have told me, but that I I have been trying to put forth. Yes. Um, and it was it was very deep, and it was very uh, very reassuring 
to yes. me. How how often uh, do you find that um, one-off sessions like that with people are so impactful? Well, it's all divinely inspired, and I know that it's focused on what's most important. And typically, I don't do 15-minute sessions. I typically spend at least an hour. And so there's usually a half a dozen things that come to the surface. And whatever issues arise, there is always a resolution. There is a shift that we make. And often, all it takes is a shift in perception for healing to occur. Because I work at the root level. Um, I work at the more deeper psycho-spiritual realms, and that is where all issues, all illnesses start. Yes. And so when we work on the physical level or even to change our minds or learn something new, that's not going deep enough to get to the core essence of where the issues occur. So if you address that and bring it to the forefront, then it begins to shed some light and then the whole energy shifts that ultimately leads up to shifts in how we feel, shifts in what we believe and know and into our physical being. So it starts at that deeper level. It's really critical to start there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we were having the conversation earlier with um, her book just left my head, um, Patricia Grabo, uh-huh. about her book on climate change and the fact that um, we, we have lost this connection to each other that at one point, yes. um, was vital, yes. vital to humanity. Um, and this goes beyond discussion or debate, anything like that. It's, it's the, the commonality of struggle, uh, the commonality of we all have to survive. Um, in our technological age, we have lost a lot of that connection and, and, and we have lost a lot of compassion yes, because be- of that. Yes, all of our little instruments separate us, you know, to a certain degree. I mean, you'll see children sitting and on their iPhones or whatever talking to each other, and they're sitting side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of alarming, I, isn't it? I, I actively went on a date like that one time, <laughs> and it just, I was like, I do not care how much I am in India. This will never happen again. <laughs> Ever. But, you know, we Ever. all are one. Yeah. And I do know that when we think that we are separate from others, from God, from the universe, mm. that that is where fear begins. Yes. And that is where all these addictions and issues arise. Absolutely. And we have to get through that, past that, until we understand that we truly are one, that we are beloved, holy, and whole, yep. you know, within ourselves so that we can live authentically and express the essence of our being. And yeah. then we can connect with others so we can live more, we can serve more compassionately yeah. in whatever we do. If we show up as the love and light that we are, we make a huge difference. Yeah. No. Pamela, how did you first get into this work? Was this a was this a gift that was bestowed upon you? Was this uh, how did how did this gift come to you? Okay, well, the healing gift and the primary gift that I received, which is called the blueprint for the human spirit, was a gift from the universe, God, and. I had been raised in a very fundamental home mm-hmm. in a very small town, very 
conservative religion. And I left that. I left the what I call the unholy trinity of guilt, shame, and fear. Yes. <laughs> I yes. left that behind. And then I went off and pursued a career that was so amazing. But something was missing in my life. And I was given the opportunity to go to a leadership conference. And there I did visioning and journaling for the first time. Mm. And I worked with change partners. It was at the Center for Creative Leadership in Greensboro, North Carolina, which was okay. just a wonderful experience. But... After that week-long experience, I went back to my job, and I was the program director for the whole country for Prevent Blindness America. Oh, wow. I mean, I did wonderful Yeah, you were doing amazing things. work to begin with. Yes, I worked for the American Cancer Society. I was a national consultant. Oh, wow. I did amazing, wonderful things, but there was something missing. And at that conference, you know, all of a sudden, everything shifted for me, and I went back to my job, and I said, this job is no longer compatible with my new vision. And I left my career. Wow. I just walked away wow. and pursued a spiritual path. And eventually, you know, after reading everything I could and, and being concerned out of the fear base that I was raised with, that something would lead me astray, yep. uh, eventually I started being awakened in the middle of the night at 3.30, actually 3.30 in the morning. Three to four days a week for six months. Wow. It was huge. And I would lay there in bed for like an hour and a half, and all this information would flow in. And it just started making sense. And it began with a simple mind-body-spirit triangle, and then it kept growing and growing and growing. And I would just, after an hour and a half, get up and enter it into my computer. And what came to me were concepts and ideas and relationships, as well as sacred geometry. Wow. So, and it ultimately played out into this beautiful um, chart, this matrix that I call the blueprint for the human spirit. And... Uh, it's accessible on my website. You can see it. But it has five dimensions, the physical, mental, emotional, intuitive, and spiritual, and five fields of existence, the energetic, personal, social, global, and eternal. And each one of these aspects are different aspects of our life. And everything that we read, everything I studied, gave me a glimpse of each of these different things. But it was almost like one little nugget. And then the universe, God, who whoever said, put it all together and help people, you know, understand it from a logical, rational, coherent way, but also with experiences that are going to help them make the shifts yeah. and, and f identify who they are, figure out why they're here so we can live authentically and purposefully. So this is why I'm here. The blueprint is my passion and purpose. But at the same time that this blueprint was emerging and growing, I realized I was intuitive. Now, I'm a nurse with a master's in public health, so I have all the science training, and I was sure. very left-brain oriented. So intuition kicking in was kind of... <laughs> it was a little foreign foreign disconcerting yeah. and i wasn't sure whether i should trust it you know i wanted to make sure it wasn't just coming from my mind sure sure but i allowed it to flow and eventually uh it evolved to the point where i can sit with somebody and ask for guidance open and receive 
very critical information that can make a difference in their lives. So what a blessing that is. Because, you know, since we are one, and because I speak in first person to reflect that, Mm. but when I am healed, you are healed, and the entire world is. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we we tend to forget that in our society, that that there is that uh, need for personal release. And, And, you know, personal, I guess relinquishment of of what we are carrying i i always yes. literally akin it to baggage exactly like we're, we're all walking in with a with a suitcase <laughs> behind us sometimes we ask somebody to sometimes hold on to that for we us have for steamer a trunks yeah yeah we all have a different amount of baggage that we, we bring to do. a situation we do and, and trust me this book that i wrote the dance of ego and essence let's was, get into that yes it was a talk about releasing baggage it was a 40-day experience, and 40 is significant because 40 represents rebirth. Mm. Uh, 40 days in the wilderness, 40-day yep. flood, 40 weeks gestation. I mean, there's so many 40s, yeah. and it is a representation of rebirth. So I was ill for a short period of time. And when I felt better, I asked the higher powers that be what I should do first. Mm. Thinking I have all these unfinished projects, but no, I was told to get up early, go to my office and journal confessions for 40 days. And I thought, are you crazy? I have been a spiritual teacher for quite some time. People are, if I have this much, you know, what are people going to think? But I let that go. I just asked, so I followed through. Surrendering ego. I surrendered ego. And trust me, every day I got a word. And every day, all this information flowed through me about my life experiences and how everything had shifted from a negative to a positive. It was so huge. And if you want to release baggage, trust me, this is the way to do it radical honesty it, it does take that it really does it and it does um many years ago i had the opportunity um through through being on paper in the court system to to go through a 12-step program oh mm-hmm. i've had i've had numerous fed now i i have no alcoholic history of my mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. i'm not an alcoholic or i have it in my family for certain mm-hmm. um but going to those meetings and learning the steps, and, and the crucial step is that fourth one, um, the list, going through and making an accounting of the things that you have done and the ways right. that you have wronged people in the search for mm-hmm. your ego. Almost here. like a life review. Yeah, yes. quite literally, and it's got to be a brutal exactly. and honest life review. And hey, your next step is amends, which is to go to exactly. everybody that you wrote down and say, hey, I'm man, sorry. I have to tell you this. They may not forgive you. That's okay. Yes. That's up to them. Exactly. Um, The important thing is you forgiving yourself and understanding that like we are, we are all flawed human beings. We are. We're, we're human, divinely human. Yeah. And we are here to express our divinity, that essence of our being through our humanity. But we learn so much. And when we, can get spiritually naked, so to speak, and yes. get rid of all this, be so open and honest, yeah. then it's 
it is freeing. It is like it's like restoring that innocence, that、um, getting back to the essence of and the beauty of this innocent, perfect, yeah. Child that we are. It's expressed right there in the title, the dance of ego and essence, and and you really do have to learn through discernment the difference between that that essay qua essay, as it was always put,、um, the being of being, like the the what is、yes. of you, what makes you, and the、right. core of you, yes, and what you want, yeah,、um, because what you want may not be the best thing for you. Exactly, and it doesn't matter how much you wish for it; the universe will not give it to you. It will not happen because that's not the、There's、best thing for or you, or whatever. Yes, Th- that's why we always say this or something better. That's right. That's right. This is something better, and 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 you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with wanting something better for your life. The question is, is what you're asking for going to better and enrich other people around you at the same exactly. time? Exactly. Are you going to use that blessing to better and enrich people around you? Right, for the、um, highest good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's just it. You really do have to have that. Soul-bearing conversation with yourself. Exactly. This, this is what I have wrought. Yes. And now I have. Now I have、mm-hmm. to go back, weed the field. Exactly. Clean up the soil and resow. Yes, absolutely. And certainly, this process, this forty-day process, was so powerful that by thirty, that by twenty days, I was. Flying, floating,、wow. because I felt so free. I had let go of all this extra baggage, and I had been doing this for quite some time. But with the the journaling, it was almost like when I wrote it down, it freed my soul. Yeah, and things yeah. came up that I had never told a soul. Well, and I, the one thing I tell people. Whether they're asking about manifestation or, my God, man, how much do you, how do you get so much done between owning a business, having two podcasts, everything? Right. How do you do all of this? And I'm like, I write it down.、Mm-hmm. Because what, other than that, it's just an idea. As soon as I write it down, it is it becomes real. It's staring me in the face now. It becomes it's a, real. It's a deadline. I cannot avoid it. <laughs> and it's the same thing with the process of writing down your、mm-hmm. grievances, what you've done. It it gives you a sense of accountability and ownership, exactly, as opposed to just wanderingly carrying、mm-hmm. it with you. Right, and it then. It releases it. It almost takes it out of you and、mm. puts it on the page, so that it can be transformed in a way that we are free to be all that we are. And you know, like the very first day,、uh, the word that came to me was discipline. Well, I had this visceral reaction, and and I thought I don't like anybody telling me what to do or how to do it, because I was raised in a very conservative home, and I'll tell you, corporal punishment was very real. Oh yeah, no, my and, mom looked for that pink form first day of school every day, <laughs> every year. Where's the pink form? We'll get to the nurse stuff later. Where's、But what I、one? what I discovered is I was is my stories just like flew did just、wow. rolled flowed out of me that discipline becomes self discipline 
so that we can say no to one thing That's right. and yes to something else. So discipline is transformed into direction, into yeah. our heart's desires. I mean, what an awesome thing. So every day I receive that kind of an in-depth shift and release. And I was able to see how much I had learned, how much I had changed and grown. Yeah. And finally, completely let go of all yeah. this extra stuff. And, and the fact that you embraced this so radically and rapidly, um, as a person of scientific background, everything else, I find amazing and beautiful. Mm. Um, one question I would have for you, which I have for most people that um, have these experiences, these gifts, um, and come from a fundamentalist mm-hmm. background, uh, how has your family responded to your gift? Well, I didn't talk with my parents a lot about it. I have one sister who was a student of spirituality and a Mm. student of different healing modalities before me. And, you know, she wouldn't talk with me about it. She didn't talk to me at all until I had that pivotal moment. Mm. And she's the first person I went to and said, you know, where do I start? What do I read? You know, and... And so then she would talk with me and mm. we've, we've been, you know, we've always been very close, but it was interesting that she knew I wasn't ready yet. Yeah. And there's this verse in the Bible that says, don't cast pearls before swine kind of a thing. Yeah. And we have to learn and who is open and ready, uh, in order for us to really, uh, serve them and uplift them in whatever yeah. way. And so, you know, that's kind of a discernment thing. It took, it, the, and discernment, big D, is, is a big part of that. <laughs> I, I spent my first year in college as a Catholic seminarian. Many years after teaching religion, spirituality, uh, CCE, catechism, things mm-hmm. like that. I'm no longer a practicing Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. I do not find that need. Me and my God talk daily, mm-hmm. um, numerous times a day. Uh, however... Um, Much in the same way, Uh, it took me a long time. I think my brother was probably the first one that I came to with paranormal experiences Mm -hmm. that I'd had. And and that was because he had had explored tarot. He had explored some things like Mm -hmm. that. And it was very much the same thing, you know, where, where he had traveled down this path and questioned these things and now it was my turn and Mm -hmm. yeah um at at what point did you find that this was your essence that this was what you were supposed to be doing Pam well it was all happening to me the blueprint emerged in harmony as I was Mm -hmm. learning and growing myself and and almost every time I learned something new I would have a personal experience that helped bring that home so Mm. that I was able to integrate that lesson, so to speak. And then more would come and it would keep coming and growing and and whatever. But it's it's interesting how we're in partnership with the entire universe and whatever we need is going to be there for us. I believe in that divine inheritance that is here for us to learn and grow, to serve. You know, it's like this reciprocal thing. Absolutely. Uh, To bring that point home, one of the the first lessons that I taught my students uh, for seventh grade every year, um, I would bring all of them a a slinky. (laughs) And it was on their desk. You can't touch the slinky. We'll get to the slinky in the last 10 minutes of class, all right? 
<laughs> don't touch the slinky. And it's hard. Because there's is. a slinky there. You want to touch it. Um, but that was my example was, this is how God works. This is how the universe works. It is a spring of unlimited potential energy. Exactly. You could put that spring in your hand. It does nothing till you push. Until you, until you make a move. Actively put energy into, into the system. It. It's not going to exactly. spring. It's not going to slink. Exactly. It just is. <laughs> yes. And, and all that potential is right is there. right there. It's right there. And we don't often recognize all that potential or we don't use that potential. That's we right. We don't take those first critical steps yep. to activate that energy That's to right. bring it forth and share it with the world. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's easy to say the journey begins with the first step, but at the same time, <laughs> you've got to be clear enough to want to make the first step and to be yes. willing to make the first step. Now, um, let's get into your embrace your inner diva here. Yes. Uh, because I, th I think that that kind of brings us onto that path right now. Yes. Um, and, and the idea of finding your journey, finding mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. and, and really learning to challenge yourself on a yes. regular basis. Well, I wrote the the book, my my journal. I transformed my journal, uh, the, this uh, the dance of ego in essence, and I shared that with some people. And they says, "Oh my goodness, when we read your stories, it helped me so much because all the stuff came up in me." Mm. And I thought, "Oh yes." And they says, "Well, we want to do this too. You know, can we do this with you?" And so I created the companion journal. And it's a holistic process. The blueprint for the human spirit is holistic. And I know that unless we approach things from a holistic perspective where we use the body, mind, heart, gut, intuition or whatever and soul, in, get them all involved and bring them into alignment so that our so that we are living in a state of like balance and authentic will never you know really yeah. get as far as we desire the potential is not real yes so the journal that i created as a companion and it can be used alone too but goes with the book guides people through all those things and it includes an opportunity for them to journal their own life experiences and their own kind of um, confession there's a beautiful meditation that came to me and I just had the opportunity to record the meditations with Fantastic. a gifted musician from Naples uh, Stu Shelton who's a jazz musician mm and um, new age musician and he actually as I was reading my uh, the meditations he created nice. organically the music it, yeah. it, they are so beautiful and they're on my website uh, to help with that I cannot wait to check that out you've yes. also got the, the yes. deck of I have fun little affirmation cards. cards and you can use those as a way to kind of pick a topic of the day or the yeah. week or whatever and then follow Follow through with uh, the book and the journal, but it's it. I just feel like I have been blessed to be able to benefit from all of these amazing gifts, yeah. and so it's my passion, but also my purpose now because this yeah. is why I'm here to share these gifts with the world. Absolutely, and it, 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 
should never hide a light under a bushel. Um, <laughs> yes. Now, uh, with, with that in mind, uh, I would like to ask the question real quick. When it, when it comes to um, finding the path to helping people, uh, how often do you find that? Because one of the things that we've talked about, especially with um, near-death experiences, mm-hmm. alien abduction, anything like that, is... The long after effects and how, how long many people hold these experiences in Within. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they come out with them or right. tell their cousin who was right there when they saw the thing. Right. Hey, let's talk about this. Yes. Um, they're both so stupefied with what's going on. And then in, afterward, in such a state of disbelief that right. and it leads to divisions in families. It leads to divisions. Exactly. And um, now I know that. Uh, the the question that I have is how often do you find somebody is stuck because of the loss of a loved one? Well, I think that happens quite a bit, actually. I, we all process things at different speeds. I'm pretty quick at processing things. Same. Other people, it takes a lot longer. Um, and certainly, I had an experience. I didn't have an NDE, but I have many uh spiritually transformative experiences and in one meditation i experienced 15 past lives wow in an hour and a half and we're talking about a dramatic event in the lives of 15 people so i was sitting on my lanai meditating and i'm not good about it because i'm hyper and i like mm. to talk <laughs> but i was just very quickly went into this state and one um, past life would come over me and I would be grieving or uh, I would be dying or elated or whatever. I mean, it was just so powerful. And, and then I would take a deep breath and the next one would hit me. I had no idea how many. I had no idea, you know, except that it was happening to me and I was these people. Because I was experiencing this oh, wow. dramatic ef- effect. I went into my office, wrote down in my journal just a few lines about each one so I wouldn't forget. Because it was a Sunday, and I was going to go to church. And when I got there, my friend said, oh, my gosh, what happened to you? Because I was so, you could see, it, I was just like in a total, yeah. total daze. Yeah. And she said, write down everything that you can remember. And I did. I'm so grateful. And what happened was I realized there were 15 people. There were 15 primary cells of the blueprint matrix. Mm. And each person fit into those. And each one reflected a core shift in consciousness. And each one reflected an aspect of my life today. Wow. And they reflected... Um, how we evolve spiritually. You know, we start off more like victims where things happen to us beyond our control. And then some try hard ego effort, you know, I'm going to make things happen by me, you know, and then we learn how to be work in partnership as vessels where things happen through us and with us until we finally get to the point where we can show up as the hands and the heart and the voice of God. Mm with all the love that we are. And so I had those experiences. And fortunately, I wrote it down. 
and it fit. And I know the universe, God gave those to me because from then on, the blueprint made a shift and I was able to share it more deeply because I experienced it. I integrated it. It was a part of me. Yeah. And unless we experience something, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. We have to have those personal experiences. And then when we take the time, like I did, to write it down, and then almost everything that we write, if it's a location, an era, a color, an object, every one of those has significance and symbolism that can help explain and help us integrate what it is that we understand. And when you have a model like the Blueprint for the Human Spirit can also help because then you can see how everything fits in and see that flow that we go through when releasing things, you know, from victimhood and from ego effort yeah. until we can fully express the essence of our being. Absolutely. It's beautiful. You need that. Amazing work. Uh, yes. I want to thank you for your time today on this very busy um, IANS conference here in Salt Lake City. Uh, let everybody know where they can go to get their copy of Dance of Ego and Essence, where they can go to get their copy of the Divine Blueprint, yes. everything. Where can they my, go to get all your work? My website is drpamelagirali.com. And uh, I also, uh, over the on my website, we can connect and I can... Uh, to offer healings as well as materials. I have a class, a joyfully dance like a divine diva class online. I have the meditations online and uh, certainly I'm eager to share in whatever way that's going to uplift humanity. Well, once again, thank, thank you. you so much for your time. I thank greatly you, appreciated Chris. our session Blessings yesterday. To you. The other day was fantastic. Thank um, you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this very special pre-recorded edition of the curious realm as always make sure to stop on by curiousrealm.com make sure to stop on by like follow subscribe tell your friends tell your families be shameless about it if you're not being shameless you're probably not doing it right uh stop on by share it uh like it all that good stuff thank you so much as always to all of our guests all of the experiencers out there who help make this show happen uh, it is because of y'all that we are out there doing these on location things so thank you god bless everybody godspeed take care of yourselves take care of each other and remember stay curious we'll talk to you soon bye-bye thank you for tuning into this episode of the curious realm stay tuned for more guests forbidden topics and hidden truths. Download the official Curious Realm app and view the Knowledge Vault on our website, CuriousRealm.com. Follow us on social media by searching Curious Realm. Curious Realm is available on your favorite podcast services, as well as YouTube, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV through the APR TV app, available on all app markets. Curious Realm is a proud member of the HC Universal Network family of podcasts. For more great content or to become a sponsor of Curious Realm or other podcasts, visit hcuniversalnetwork.com today. Thanks for listening. Stay curious. And remember, the other side is always watching.